this week because I said to my friends, hey, listen to it if it's we're, shit. We're live, by the way. So We're not live, we're recording. Oh, you shouldn't even bother saying anything. Oh. What do you mean? You're I an just in- grabbed some water, mate. Yeah, mate. My hair. This is for you. <laughs> you are an internet sensation. Ah, uh, for what? <laughs> Pottery. Pottery. People want to learn more about pottery. They want to learn. You know what? I, I, they want to learn. Let's suck her up real close. Yeah, mate. I, and I'll give you the other tip. The audio guy had the worst fucking audio because oh. we couldn't hear you on the mics. No, no, I could see that because I had the microphone down here somewhere because I didn't think we were recording. <laughs> I was just like, get out of the way. I knew we were recording because he had this look in his eye, <laughs> and I, I knew I knew something. I know him too well. Oh god! And when I started telling stories about. All sorts of things. I went. He's he's pressed the go button on this, so uh, I yep. kept going with it. Yeah, I didn't. Don't fuck see, around, I didn't mate. think he did because I was looking at the monitor, thinking, "Oh, there should be a record." No, nah, he's sneaky. There, he's, not, he's recording on something he's, else. He's very sneaky. He's doing it straight off the. Yeah, day. he's very sneaky, and so I was laughing because I was trying to explain to people. Well, you know, Peter's he's like a really good audio guy. He knows quite a bit about it, and they're like, "Well, how come he sounds <laughs> shit on the microphone?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, me. well, and I'm like, well, that that's that's because he's focused on pottery right now. Oh my god! Yeah. You're very, you are an internet sensation. I must have had maybe all two of our listeners contact me last <laughs> week and say, who's this, who's this Peter V guy? And I go, mate, he's a fucking master with the pottery. You should see, <laughs> you should see the urn he's got. It's unbelievable. Oh man, you should see the destroyed cookie jar I just made. Someone at work's getting married, and I was like, oh, okay, fine, I'll give you. Someone a at work. Wait, is this... Oh, was it work? Was it work? Yeah. <laughs> She's still at some work, not my Yeah, work. get that mic. We're not doing this again. Get that yeah. mic very close, because yep. we're not... So if you pull it close to so you're comfortable... Yeah. Like, oh, the, the mic itself, I, yeah. I do it so that people can't see yeah. my face. It, it should just... The whole thing should just extend out. Ooh. Yep. He's going to break Oh, it. I see. Yeah, yeah. Just so you're comfortable, you can but just yeah, sit just, back oh, and... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, it's my go-to when it comes to presents. It's just like Christmas presents or anything else. Everyone gets a vase. And it's like people just keep getting another vase and another vase. It's like uh, birthday vase, Christmas vase. And eventually they get the idea that I don't like giving presents because they're getting really <laughs> shitty vases every yep. bloody time. Well, a lot of people contacted me through the week and they said, we want to know more about pottery. Some people, I think, were slightly aroused about pushing shit through a hole. Oh, yeah. Like clay. The extruder. Oh. extruder. Oh. I know. I should do a little demo video of that extruder going off. You should. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it up on YouTube. It looks good. It sounds good. Does it? When it pumps that out, it's just... <laughs> see, it's about holes again. It's mesmerising. Oh, it's about dear. holes again. When you see a chunk of clay just get turned into a tube. Oh, like, wow. See, perfectly formed bits of clay like yeah. we all are. Compressor pumping in the background. Makes a lovely sound. He, mm. I knew he'd be the star. Someone was going to rise to the top like Cream usually does. Uh, yeah, it's no, pottery, like, Pete. I'm all off the curdle. That's just the top. Because <laughs> we just did a podcast with like because you weren't here, mm. and I'm like, I bet, I bet this does fuck all. Like it gets one listener instead of two, uh, and you're like, because halved immediately because you're not here. Yeah, Pete's uh, not here. Oh, we do have Phil here today though. Well, are we like broadcasting? We're not, we're, not, we're not broadcasting live mm. um, because that would be insane. Uh, I, I, instead, you, we do have a, a other special guest here in, in the way of Phil who we've, we've brought in. Oh, yeah, um, people are just listening. They can't people, see. Can they? they can see. Uh, but right now, nobody can see or hear because it hasn't actually been uploaded at this point in time. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's how technology works, Pete. Oh, I love how it's got toys. I know. I've got toys. You want to play with toys? I've got toys all, all, all day, mate. Yeah, yeah, sweet. So if you hear weird noises, just me playing with toys. Yeah, yeah. So the reason we've got Phil here today, uh, working on memoirs. 
Uh, and and really, we obviously go to yoga together, and we 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 spend a bit of time together. What this is new? You, I've done yoga for a while now, mate. Really? Dano's done yoga for years. Yeah, I've done it for about five years. Maybe. Phil's yeah. done it for many many years. Yeah. My brother does one of those things. I mean, yeah. Like like Tai Chi. All right. So let, let's start the conversation oh, with how issue. transformational yoga has been. I, I think that's actually a really nice segue there, Peter. Uh-huh. Um, for me personally, mate, I obviously, I, I uh, the listeners won't know this, but you guys probably do, that I buggered my neck up pretty royally mm. um, and had to have surgery to get all of that stuff fused, which was a bit of fun. And even afterwards, I, I had quite a bit of, quite a bit of pain uh, that took a fair bit to subside and, and I was getting a lot of migraines. Mm. So my surgeon suggested that potentially I, I look into doing yoga, but I needed to be quite cautious with the type of yoga that I did. And yeah, Phil, I knew was uh, into his yoga. So I reached out and yeah, we've been pretty much going ever since. And mate, my migraines have subsided largely. Mm. Uh, mm. I'm certainly not. Really? Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's transformational. Seriously, just mm. your time. Mm. Wow. Yep. Well, the the neck. I do. I am quite diligent. Like I do try to do particularly anything to do with the neck mm-hmm. and the twist movements and things Go like the that. Downward daily. dog, hey. Yeah. Downward dog, mate. I just went for the chicks. That's just me. <laughs> In the back row. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just like that creeper creeping. You do realize no one's going to let you into their studio anymore, right? <laughs> uh, a very good. No, no. A very good friend of mine who's also a uh, a person that lives very close to here, but he uh, has a studio as well. Mm. And uh, I go there, and uh, I need to get back into it because I've had a little bit of a break, probably a bit too long for, for my body that that would be beneficial. But uh, he, um, I go there. It's very relaxed. It's very chilled. I've probably been doing it for – actually, it's going to be nearly seven years. But I still mm. – there are still so many things that I can't do in, in yoga. Well, I, like, I, yeah, there's, there are things that I'll I, never be able yeah, to do, like, right? You can never do headstand. Well – Phil can do a headstand. Yeah, but you can't. One of the first things that I saw. Oh, no, neck, no I'm told that that's not necessarily the case because yeah. there are apparatuses that they, they can use or that I can use you, to assist. You can do inversions mm. without putting your head on the ground. Yeah. Hang, hanging from ropes is great. Mm-hmm. Kinky, I like it. <laughs> yeah, you should try hanging. From yeah, I, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I, it's I, buzz. yeah, I've oh, been, I've been told that that's yeah, uh, feasible. Right. There's also in our studio there is actually a like a, a prop that you can use for a headstand specifically, yeah. um, where your head doesn't actually make yeah. contact with the ground. It's really yeah. your shoulders that are taking the the weight. But, but try the wraps, mate. The wraps yeah. are very good. Yeah, I'm not up very to that. Good. I'm not up to that level yet. They haven't taught us about the ropes as well. Yeah. Whips. <laughs> <laughs> just to so, so, show you know that this podcast is sponsored by our mum, who has dropped <laughs> off fairy bread as afternoon snacks. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, for, when did you get into yoga? Because you've been doing it for quite a while. Jeez, I've been. Um, I really seriously got into yoga um, about 1993, 94. Wow. I came back from Bangladesh, started going to yoga classes in the city. And no, actually, before that, it was more like 88. Wow. 89. Mm. 1989, actually. Got back from Peru, started going to yoga classes in Darlinghurst, Surrey Hills. Um, so, yeah, been doing it a while. Hmm. So, awesome segue into Peru. What, what, what were you doing in Peru? How, what took you over there? Ah, uh, geez, that's a, that's a long, long story. We've got um, all day. 
I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. No, we, <laughs> we actually got it like an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Give us a short version. Well, the, the, <laughs> the first time, I, I spent a couple of years in Zimbabwe and um, that sort of excited me, that whole experience excited me about the, about the idea of living overseas. And so I did um, an English as a second language course in order, on top of my teaching degree, in order that I could go. And the plan was to get a one-way ticket to South America mm. and stay there forever, basically. Why South America? Uh, well, it was a choice between Japan and South America. Mm. And my sister had been to both countries. And she said, oh, go to South America. So I did. Mm. And um, so, um, and part of the plan was to learn another language. So I wanted to learn another language. And it was a choice between Japanese and Spanish. So in the end, I, I decided um, to go to South America. Mm. Got a one-way ticket to Lima. And uh, unbeknownst to me, my plan was completely fucked right from the beginning. It was a fucked plan. That's pl- one. That's two. It was a fucked plan. Completely <laughs> fucked plan. Yeah. Because, because what happened was um, I didn't understand that if I had a one-way ticket to Lima, mm. that I would not be allowed entry into any other country in South America without mm. proof of onward travel. So my plan was completely fucked right mm. from the beginning. Completely. So what happened? Uh, well, I ended up uh, staying in Peru and, well, I bought a ticket. I went via Canada because I was madly in love with a Canadian woman. Mm. Ooh. I'd met in Zimbabwe, you see. Ooh. And so the plan was to go and see this Canadian woman and see if I had a bit of a chance. Mm. So you should. On, on the way to Peru. Mm. Can I, so you, okay, so you went halfway around the world to chase a girl, I went a lady. To, I went to Peru via Canada because of a woman. Mm. I can't be D- fucked to go like half an hour. Like, yeah, it just, uh, doesn't make yeah. a lot of sense, does it? Oh, it depends, man. Like it's love. It's sort of like uh, oh, I don't know. Like a, be the accent, wouldn't it? It's the accent. You, well, yeah. you had a you had a couple of beer advantage just boot. in the accent. A boot, craft dinner. <laughs> sorry, what was that? They, <laughs> they, like, they like to eat craft dinner. <laughs> no, because I once because I watched. Way too many South Park episodes. You know, Terrence and Phil, I go, I'm going to eat some Croft dinner and look for yeah. treasure. Oh, Philip, oh. Yeah. And, I, and, that, and then so I actually, when I was traveling around uh, the world, I actually met a couple of Canadians in Greece, of all places, and we're on a top deck of a ferry going from Greece, from Corfu back to Brindisi in Italy. It, it, um, Italy. And I said something about, Do you, is it true that you eat Croft dinner? And they went, mm, it's cheese and macaroni. It just happens to be the brand is Kraft. But yeah, we, we do. We call it Kraft Dinner. And I was like, holy shit. This is macaroni cheese. It's mac, mac and cheese. Yeah. Which my is daughter a, loves that. It's a big deal. In, I've, in, I've had to make that because my partner loved it. She became vegan, so she couldn't have it anymore. So yeah. I had to invent like, cheese. Yeah, That's so, a story so, that we can go so, into. So, <laughs> so apparently there's... Okay, nailed it. By the way, I'm going to get hated by the Canadians, but I love them. I love right? Canadians. I love. But they don't he, hate anyone. You'll be fine. I know. But here's the thing: whenever I met them around the world, right, there were two things that they'd hit me up with straight away. They go, "Don't start." I know you're from Australia. Yes, craft dinner is actually cheese and mac, and yes, we have heard of the tea party. We, right because that's an, that's a very fantastic well, band in, in the 90s that was like a very well known they're, they're, band they're a well known band that only ever played Penrith Panthers <laughs> that's right that's sad they deserve so much better Aww. they're a class band oh yeah man like some of their albums mm. like uh, Edges of Twilight like, yeah 
Triptych or whatever Trip-tich it's called. and uh, was it uh, Temptation? Was it Temptation? No, that was a single. Temptation. No, that was a single. That was a single. Google that shit. Anyway, sorry. We do this. We're sorry. Sorry, we do go off on tangents. We go off. That's all right. Yeah, so you're in Peru. Yep. Yep. You've obviously, uh, you went to Canada first. I did. I worked at uh, Lake Louise as a bartender. How long were you there for? I was there for three or four months. Mm. Fell madly in love with a Canadian woman. But there's one problem. Mm. Oh. She was a little bit ambivalent. Well, there are two problems. One was she was Christian. Mm. Uh oh, that's a problem. That's and a problem. And the second one was she was. A- <laughs> <laughs> oh, we we've, we've got no plan to have any subscribers. Uh, yeah. We're just any subscriber group. No, no, no. Sorry. Yep. Christian. The second, the second problem was she was, um, shall I say, ambivalent about her sexuality. Oh, okay. And so is that problematic? It was never going to work out, really. Mm. Oh, you can always help her explore that. Yeah, well, I was mm. trying to, um, <laughs> and I thought things were going okay for a while. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It didn't work out. Okay. Oh, well, so back oh. to Peru, was it? So, but I only found that I only found out about that um, through about uh, six long fifteen-page letters a year later in Peru. Oh wow! So I found out that um, her her struggle with God and sexuality. Um, she wrote you a, a letter. Was a li- well, about five or six of them. This would have been before. This would have been before. No, I'm just trying to work out. Like, did you? Did she tell you? But she's obviously written you a letter and said, "Hey, this is the reason why I'm struggling. I won't I'm strugg- put out. I'm struggling with my sexuality and my relationship with God. And um, wow. So please understand that you know this is not easy for me. And uh, so yeah, so I was trying to be supportive and you know. But in your mind, you're saying, "Oh, too much baggage." <laughs> <laughs> Run away to Peru, thousands of kilometres. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I was in Peru at that stage, mm. receiving all these letters, you see. Mm. And so at that stage, I'm still thinking, well, at the end of Peru, I'm going to head back to Canada and live there with her. Mm. But um, it just never going to quite work out. Mm. So yeah. what happened next? Well, you're in you're in Peru, and yeah, I, I moved in with a family um, in Cusco, a place called Cusco, which is up in the Andes. Mm. And uh, the aim was to um, to learn Spanish. Mm. That was the best opportunity. And uh, my mate, uh, my Spanish teacher, Jose Luis, said, well, why don't you move in with this family? And they just happened to have four gorgeous daughters. Fantastic. And, uh, <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> so I said, this is going to be difficult. <laughs> and they took a big risk inviting me to live with the family, I tell you. Huge risk. But at any rate, I moved in with this uh, lovely Peruvian family uh, with four gorgeous daughters and, um, yeah, learned Spanish uh, basically from scratch. Mm. So three of them got pregnant you came back? She <laughs> <laughs> said it, I didn't <laughs> say it. <laughs> I had to go there. <laughs> but how? This started off with yoga. Where just just remember, yoga? folks, oh, that was Pottery Pete, your favourite. Oh, <laughs> so on. please rate, comment and subscribe. <laughs> Just for the laughs, come on. Uh, yeah, so, look, I, I decided that um, I had to play it really cool hmm. and be really responsible. Uh, so how's your Spanish? My Spanish is reasonable. Oh, okay. But your Japanese is not so good. Japanese is not so good, no. Uh, okay. Well, but, but I still have a great relationship with the family. Um, they're really special. And, have you uh, been back since to, to oh, see many them? times. I mm. went back a second time. I... Um, ran a home for street kids for just over a year with a friend of mine and mm. that was an interesting experience as well and then I've been back a number of times subsequently I took my father there for mm. one time 
Uh, so I've been back four or five times. So yeah, look, it's um, it's a big part of my life, Peru, mm. actually. And I'm trying to start up a business with the elder daughter there at the moment. We've got a to take um, take people to Peru, take them to this one particular community, give people a bit of an experience living up in the Andes for a short period of time, working community. So yeah, That's so awesome. Peru is sort of like a second home for me. Mm. So after there, you obviously went back and forth to a number of different... You, you mentioned Bangladesh as well. What were you doing there? Because that's quite, in my mind, culturally and linguistically and everything, that's quite a, quite a jump from Peru or Canada or Australia for that matter. So what... Not took, really a tourist location. Is no, it? So something that comes to mind is the first place that I personally would go to, to visit should I have the choice. I mean, I'd, I'd love to visit, but it's not where I'd see myself going. So what, what took you... Well, nobody, uh, nobody really would go to Bangladesh to visit unless they had a bloody good reason for going there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I got, a, I got a job as, say, the children's director mm. on the basis of my experience working with children in Peru. I got a job there. Mm. And I just bullshitted myself into a job, basically. Don't we all do that? We all do that. We all do we? that. Yeah. Well, at least fuck with. So. He's, uh, <laughs> he's bullshitted his whole life. That's yeah. right. So I ended up there for three years as their director. That's a long time. Yeah, it was. It was a great time. Mm. Fantastic time. Bangladesh is an interesting place. So, what were some of the some of the kooky things that you would have seen over there that you weren't expecting to see? Oh Jesus! Um, it was almost a daily occurrence. I mean, I'd get in the car. And uh, I'd drive to work and I'd basically run the gauntlet of the beggars at every stoplights. So I'd have the um, um, guy with no arms and no legs. I'd have the guy with spina bifida. I'd have the woman carrying her brother on her back who had sort of polio and licorice sticks for legs. Mm. And they'd sort of all come at you at the lights and, you know, you'd, you'd say, sorry, not today or... In one case, I'd get, I'd get give a shirt to the guy with spina bifida. He persuaded me to give him his shirt one day, and I gave it to him. And it was dumb. I thought I was going to see him wearing it, but of course he sold it. Mm. You know. But anyway, um, so so look, it was, God, you know, just every day was um, really, really strange stuff. I mean, you know, you do the traffic lights, and the traffic lights were completely optional in Bangladesh. You didn't, in fact, you got into trouble if you stopped. <laughs> You know, you'd have people up your ass if you stopped at a traffic light. It's like what, that in South Africa. What the hell are you doing stopping yeah. at tra- red lights? Yeah, I found that. You in, get yeah, I found that in South uh, South Africa. They used to bip their horn at us because we would stop. This is a very sad story, but it's uh, came from someone that used to live there for many years. And sorry to inter- interrupt, but <clears throat> we used to stop when we went over there. I went over there for the World Cup in uh, two thousand and ten. And we used to do what you do here. You come to a set of, set of lights and you'd stop because we'd rented a car. Everyone's like, beep, 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 and they're trying to nerf you off the road. Couldn't work it out. And one of the locals told us that uh, they uh, told they said that you don't stop at red, light, uh, at red lights because people hijack cars. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they get in the cars. And when I got home... I was working with a guy who used to live in South Africa and he would told me a story that uh, he was quite from a wealthy family family, and he was driving his dad's uh, BMW, but he was a, of a darker skin. This is a horrible story, darker skin. And he was driving at night, two o'clock at night, 
and he got to a set of lights and the police officers pulled him over and they assumed that he'd stolen the car and they locked him up and they wouldn't let him ring the family to say, you know, come and get me mm. or whatever like this. They locked him up. And uh, then they finally worked out that this was le- legit. He actually did own the car or his parents owned the car and then they let him out. But he spent two or three nights in jail because of it. And so they told us, you don't stop at a set of lights. You keep going. And it blew my mind because we would drive at night and you'd see them walk along the highways, just random people mm. walking along the highways. Mm. Then you'd get to a set of lights and you'd slow down to maybe 20 or 30 kilometres and you'd look and then you go, okay, I'll no hit, the, I'll hit the pedal again yeah. and I'll drive off. Just mind-blowing. It's just another... It is yeah, literally another word. roundabouts, maybe? In some parts they do, but yeah. they but there are some weird... the lights aren't working, everyone... <laughs> you still need to keep the traffic flowing in some way. But in they, way, they also... Yeah. I don't know what it's like in Zimbabwe, but in South Africa, they didn't give a shit about the speed limit either. Mm. Because I remember being in um, Durban and they... Or uh, some other parts of the, the country there, the big, the big cities... And the speed limit might be 100. No, they'd be doing 140. They didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. It, it's, another, it's another world, you know? And I think most people ignore yeah. um, pedestrian crossings too in most parts of the world. Italy, they don't give a shit. Yeah. France, they don't give a shit. Because yep. I noticed that in Australia, it's annoying in Australia because then tourists hang out on the side of the road without crossing and you're coming down the road, you got like 200 metres before you get this pedestrian crossing and there's someone standing on the side of the pedestrian crossing and you think, Dude, what are you doing? You could cross the road by now, and mm. now I have to come to a complete stop. They're looking at you until you're completely stopped. Then they start to cross. And you think, oh, tourist from a country that doesn't respect. I got, I got, I got run off the road. Here's a story. I got run off the road in Sicily, <laughs> and I was on a zebra crossing. And they told me, they'd all told me, don't assume that they'll slow down and stop. They'll just keep going. But I thought I had plenty of leeway this day and I'm walking across the zebra crossing or whatever they call it over there. Anyway, this Fiat Punto fucking thing. They're everywhere. That wouldn't have hurt much. (laughs) But it kept nerfing me. He was pushing me like this and I lost lost it. I thought I was Tony Soprano in the middle of the fucking street (laughs) and I'm starting to... I started... I hit his bonnet. Never would have gone, he's a local. And he did. (laughs) He thought it was all right. So he was like, okay, well then... Fucking another day, another Saturday morning in downtown beautiful, you know, Sicily. And but it, it, they don't care. They don't give a shit. Mm, no. you know? it, was, it was it was funny. Uh, I had a horrendous experience driving back from the the country areas. I went on a weekend excursion one time in Bangladesh, and I, I was only ever used to drive in the cities, but it's in the country areas where it's really dangerous because you've got a lot of, uh, particularly at night, you've got cars and buses coming at you mm. along the road, and they've got no headlights. Fuck me. Um, at any rate, I, I remember um, I almost ran this rick, rickshaw waller off the road. Almost killed him, basically. Mm. And he had no lights on his rickshaw. And I stopped. And I said to him, in, this is all in Bangla, I said, I said, what are you doing? I, I almost killed you. I couldn't see you. Why don't you have a light? And he said to me, well, if you can't see this big rickshaw, how would you see a small light? <laughs> yeah right. I like it. Yeah, that's, that's really now now, now you, you got to understand that uh, most of the people who come from villages mm. to drive rickshaws uh, are cretins. I mean, I don't say that in an insulting way. I say it in a literal mm. sort of way, as in 
suffering from iodine deficiency, which is the mm. cause of cretinism. And so a lot of those guys who drive rickshaws are, you know, um, suffering from cretinism. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, he wasn't very bright. bright and he, he wasn't able mm. at all to perceive the road from the perspective of someone in a car. So... I ran over these uh, chickens, this Greek woman's chickens once, and she gave me, she gave me the, the hex. Oh. Oh, fuck. So you're cursed. Oh, I'm fucked. I, I, yeah, I'm the, it explains everything. It does, doesn't it? It fucking explains everything. Hmm. So I, I was in a Daihatsu Serrate or some fuck. It was a little three-cylinder thing we'd picked up, and I'm driving on one of the islands there. I think it was Corfu. And, uh, again, they don't give a fuck. There was these chickens crossing the road. But I didn't realise they belonged to this old Greek woman. And I ran over one of them. And I was with Pedro. Mm. And he goes, did you see him? I go, no. Not until they flew past me in the revision mirror. And then what I did see was the old lady walk out from the, uh, what do you call it? The street, side street where she was hanging out. And she had the cane. And she's in the revision mirror shaking a cane at me. And then she did this weird... Because I could see it. Because I was going very slow. Because mm. it's very narrow there so i wasn't speeding very much at all because you couldn't go fast but it was enough to kill these chickens trust me mm. and she shook a stick at me and then she did this like evil hex eye thing. evil life thing i thought it was something fucking dio would do it at, at a metal gig but no it was a greek <laughs> it was a greek hex and i've been fucked ever since um, need to go back i need to, i need to go back and undo the, the evil she did but yeah she's probably dead too mate it was like back in 2000 so it's 19 years ago. Chicken on a grave, maybe something. <laughs> I know. What do you do? I should. I should. I should take a bucket of KFC or something. And go look. <laughs> Tip, tip it I'm down sorry. The, tip it on the I'm sorry for what I've done. I apologise. <laughs> you know, I, I, mean, I, I mean not what I if, do. If a bucket of KFC can't fix that, then nothing can. Oh, I tell you, I felt really bad. I did, and I, and I said, "What did?" Because then Pedro's enemy is like, "Well, what?" I go, "What do you think she did?" He goes, oh, voodoo, man. Because she was doing some... <laughs> Greek voodoo. Some yeah, Greek, weird, Greek voodoo. Some yeah. weird, she was doing some weird shit, some juju, man. Did you encounter any of that stuff in your travels? Uh, I didn't, No, I um, had stones thrown at the car. Uh, it was during... Uh, that happened a couple of times during curfews mm. because uh, the thing about Bangladesh is if there's a curfew or a strike, you just don't move. No one drives. Mm. You don't move at all. And so we were driving back from the um, the village during a curfew, and so we got stoned as we were driving down the road. So I didn't encounter the uh, the voodoo stuff that you're talking yeah, about, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Which, um, but uh, yeah, and I, I just had to tell the driver to tramp it. Mm. <laughs> why, why were the curfews going on? I mean, excuse my ignorance uh, of the... Because uh, at that particular stage, um, there was a lot of political unrest and uh, there were... Uh, trying to overthrow the president, basically. Mm. So there's a lot of political unrest. And so um, there was basically, there, yeah, there were curfews. And I remember getting to, uh, we eventually got to, to Dhaka and there there were queues of cars for miles because they wouldn't let them in the city because of the curfew. And I bullshitted and said, look, my wife's pregnant. I've got to get through. And um, so they managed to let me go through. And I was driving in a city, normally just chockers with people everywhere, and it was just nothing. Mm. It was really eerie sensation. It was um, just moving through this 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 city, and nothing else was moving. And I 
drove my Bangladeshi colleague home and it was, uh, I was shit scared because there were all these young guys on the sides of the roads, there were fires, they had rocks and I thought any minute we're going to get just stoned here and I'm in serious trouble. But fortunately we, uh, we managed to get through and I got him home and we got home but um, yeah, driving, driving during a strike or a curfew in Bangladesh you just don't do it. Mm. Sounds like do it. sounds worse than a midnight launch of Grand Theft Auto or something. Yeah, man. A JB Hi-Fi. Sounds that pretty, sounds pretty scary. Getting out of that car park underground. Yeah, that was, was a bit like that. that. Was a bit, even for Fallout 4, that was no, a that bit was risky, bad. mate. That's another story. That's another story. But can I ask a, a dumb question? Yeah. When you were in Bangladesh at this time, was there, there must have obviously been a, uh, I don't know what it would, would have been called back then, a smart traveller alert to say, hey, you really shouldn't be in this country was that made aware to you or were you not really aware of it or you didn't care what 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 was the what was the government back home sentiment because quite often if a country is deemed as being unsafe you kind of find out about it and say oh maybe we shouldn't be here or yeah we're aware of the risk was was that a thing back then i I don't know Uh, Look, at that particular stage uh during that political unrest um look i'm sure the travel advisory from from DFAT in, in Australia would have been don't go to Bangladesh, mm. but I'm already there living there, right? Yeah, right. So, okay. Um, so the so say the children's got to make a decision: do do we um, evacuate this this guy out of Bangladesh? They didn't make that decision then. They did make that decision when um, when the Iraq uh, first Iraq war broke out, and uh, there were, there were a few instances of uh, Iraqis or, or locals beating up foreigners. And it was then that they made a decision to evacuate us out of the country. Um, yeah, but but that particular time, um, during the curfews, no, we just sort of it, it was it was a day to day proposition. Um, and and it's funny, you know, it's 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 like when you when you live in a place, it's never as dangerous when you live there as how as how it appears from the outside. Like like Peru, when I when I lived in Peru during the eighties, um, the Shining Path were really active. Mm. And, and people were getting blown away every day in, in, in all parts of the country. And the travel advisory at that time was, don't go to Peru. And there weren't, tourists weren't coming to Peru. But I was living there, and I have to say, all the time I lived there during the 80s, I never once felt under any threat. And I hitchhiked around the country, wow. travel on the backs of buses and uh, backs of trucks and stuff. And even during the height of that terrorism, I just never felt threatened and maybe I was just naive and a bit stupid <laughs> I'm sure I was naive and stupid yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, look it, it's funny isn't it you know we, we we have this perception of other places being really dangerous but when you're actually living there and, and you know these got, mm. you know this from your own experiences people are just getting on with their lives yeah. and and the perception from the outside is so different from the reality of where you're actually living that both in Bangladesh, I thought, well, it's a curfew, it's no big deal. Mm. Um, the Iraq war, I said to the organisation, look, this is really unnecessary, you don't need to evacuate us, it's no big deal. Yes, a few foreigners have been beaten up, so what? Um, I'll tell you what did happen, <laughs> and this was scary. This was scary. I, I got um, uh, the uh, the PR uh, manager from Save the Children rings me up normal you know weekly chat and and she's looking for any story to get save the children in the newspapers right mm. 
and she says, Phil, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And I say, oh, look, you know, um, it's going okay. This is during the Iraq War, Iraq War number one. Mm. It's going okay, but look, I've heard stories that the... Um, the Iraqi government is paying local Bangladeshis to harass and beat up foreigners. This is a story I've heard. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but this is what I've heard. And a few foreigners have been beaten up. Anyway, um, that day I get a phone call from, I think it was the Age newspaper in Australia. Mm. And, the, and the guy says, look, I've got this story in front of me. And I said, oh, yeah, what's the story? He says... Um, Save the Children director Phil Voicey says that <laughs> Iraqis are paying Bangladeshis to beat up foreigners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. And, uh, and I thought, holy fuck. <laughs> I said, that's not going to be published, is it? I said, yeah, I'm just tracking for the facts. So I, said, I said, no, you can't publish that. You know, you'll get me beaten up yeah. if you publish yeah. that. So I said, you've got you to squash that story right now. I'm not going on the record as having said that. And I said, has anybody else got this story? And he said, oh, yeah, the, the press release has gone to all the major newspapers in Australia. Fuck. And I thought to myself, fuck. And I went to sleep that night seriously thinking that there, there was going to be done. some, you know, this is going to be published. Mm. Uh, Bangladeshis are going to see this. So they're going to say, okay, we know where this guy lives. You know, the Save the Children mm. sign out the front's a, front's a bit of a giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> and, mm. and I thought, I'm going to have guys turning up with bamboo poles to beat me up any moment now. And um, and I got on the phone the next day to the, the Save the Children PR person. I said, what the fuck are you guys doing? Mm. Do you realise what you've done? I mean, this is a country where you can mobilise a riot, a really violent riot in about 10 seconds. Yeah. Do you realise what risk you've put it? Put me and and the and my family at by by trying to publish this and and they apologised profusely and said oh sorry Phil we didn't realise and I said um, I said has this been published in the other newspapers unfortunately it hadn't been mm. but uh, you know that's a close she, call yeah. and she just wanted to get say the children she thought great story say the children you know a, a front page of the newspaper it's not exactly a positive article though is it no it's not. Yeah. It's not bad, but... Surely they could put an but, article you know, out there. Any, any, any publicity is good publicity. Yeah. And she thought, you know, Save the Children, front page of the Age newspaper, um, you know, Bangladeshis, Iraqis paying Bangladeshis to beat up foreigners. Great story. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get the organisation on the front page. Fantastic. And, uh, no, Fuck not a good hell. story. But, um, yeah, so, um, so, so, yeah, but that's the thing, you know, it, the perception, living in a country and the perception from outside are two completely mm. different things. And it was the same in, in Peru, the same in Bangladesh, same in Zimbabwe. I mean, um, you know, people had told me I was throwing my life away when I went to Zimbabwe. Um, this was shortly after independence. And, and there was genocide going on in Zimbabwe. And, well, one of the reasons why I felt complacent at that time was because we didn't know about it. Mm. Because you, I don't know if you're aware at the moment, but um, the president uh, of Zimbabwe at the moment, a guy named Emerson Manangagwa, has put a ban on, on the internet and social media. He's closed yeah, down the internet and social media because of the protests that are going on because of petrol price yep. increases. Well, when I was uh, in Zimbabwe in 83, um, 82, 83, um, the government put a ban on all media reporting south of the country, south 
of the the middle of the country, southern part of the country, because they were basically committing genocide in the south. Mm. So, they didn't want anyone to know about it. No, that's right. Yeah. And so Mugabe's majority tribe, the Shona, were basically killing off the Endebelli, the minority tribe. And so that was happening. Um, and uh, and there was a total ban on reporting south of the country. The media just weren't allowed to report on it. We would only hear about it via the BBC and my parents would send me these these newspaper clippings mm. and I'd say, oh, is that a thing? Seriously? <laughs> you know, you're yeah. sort of right there and you just don't you know don't even know what's on. happening. So that was a case where the sort of complacency was a result of ignorance. You mm. know, but, so were you there doing the same kind of work? No, I was uh, teaching in a black township school okay. in Zimbabwe. Yeah. Um, yeah, great, best teaching experience I've ever had. Mm. Kids were fantastic. The sad thing about that, though, is that um, many of the kids I taught back then would probably be dead. Mm. Yeah. Because um, what happened in the 19, late 1980s is both because of AIDS and poverty, um, life expectancy sunk to about 38. Wow. However, I did, and this is a funny story, I, mm. got, a, I got contacted by one of my former students. She's my favourite student, Wads and I. Wads and I... You love all your students. Just. I love all my <laughs> students, but Wads, Wads and I I particularly love because she would get up and argue with me. Mm. She'd say, no, you're wrong, sir, you know, blah, 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 and she'd get up and she was confident... And she was assertive. She was a really impressive young woman. And when she threw on the netball court, she was dynamite. And she, I just loved her. She had so much spunk mm. and life and, and, you know. And uh, anyway, she contacted me uh, last year um, to tell me, f- track me down through Facebook, mm. to tell me that, um, you know, her, her husband had died and she had three kids and she had no money, no job, you know, struggling. And... Um, and so she says, you know, can you send me, can you help me out a little bit? So I said, so I sent her some money. And that was hard because um, Zimbabwe actually doesn't have a Zimbabwean currency. Hmm. It works in US dollars because Zimbabwe, the inflation, the inflation rate is, is like about 10 zillion. Yeah. And so it doesn't, it works in US dollars. So, and, and it's very hard to transfer money. So anyway, right, I managed to get some money to her. And so I send her the money and then I get a text message from Wads and I. She writes... Uh, she says, uh, Dear Phil, God bless you. May your days be numbered. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. 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 You said it enough or something. Yeah. So you said it obviously didn't teach you English very well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that was just beautiful because Zimbabweans talk in proverbs. Mm. And they loved proverbs, yeah. And this was a case where Wads and I just got it slightly wrong. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> she thought she was wishing me a long life. Nope. Nope. It was funny. At least yeah. you can get a Greek he- uh, hex like I've got. Yeah, yeah. Far out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to love to go back there, though. It's a really mm. special place, Zimbabwe. Would have changed quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love to take the family on a safari there. Mm. Safaris yeah. are just the... Yeah. Best experience in life, in my yeah. view. I did one in South Africa, and it was um, mind blowing, just to see. Because I, by nature, I don't like zoos. I don't like yep. seeing animals in cages. No, and I, it just doesn't. Because here's me being me. Yeah. I always think, well, one day aliens are going to come, and they're going to put us in a cage, and they go, "Oh, look at the fucking humans! Look at them! <laughs> look at them! They're, they're shitting all over each other and stuff." You know, like maybe, maybe we're already in that cage. Mate. Well, you know, I look at it this way: we're one gene name re- uh, removed from being apes. Yeah. And apes throw shit at each other, and I don't need to be reminded of it. 
So I don't like going to we, the we zoo. Show, we throw shit at each other all the time. Mm. We, 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 haven't, we haven't evolved at all, <laughs> have we? Not very far. No. Nope. So I don't like going to, to a zoo. I think, uh, what is it, the Western Plains Zoo is probably out of Dubbo. the best you, you can get yep. in here in Australia. But, yeah, safari is mind-blowing. Hmm. And the people that take you on safari, they've got some stories to tell themselves. So they're fascinating people as yeah. well. And um, But... When I was in South Africa, people were saying, oh, but the ones in South Africa are great, but the safaris in Zimbabwe and the fur- the further up you go are really... Botswana? Mm-hmm. Botswana, yeah. Tanzania are the pick. That's it. But yeah. I had a great experience with a lion in... Um, I've had a few close encounters with baboons. Oh, I almost got killed by baboons. Was in this Botswana. in was this in like Western Sydney or over in Because <laughs> there's a lot, man. There's a lot. But, I, but uh, I came very close to a lioness, a bit too close. Mm. I was um, spent a day travelling in uh, Tanzania. Uh, there's this beautiful crater. That, it's the biggest extinct volcano in um, in Africa, 13 kilometres across, called wow. the Gora Crater. And you go down, you go down into the crater, you go past these Maasai warriors herding their cattle, and it's just a natural zoo. And you just travel around and you see all... You know, you drive around, you see all these animals. It's fantastic. So we spent the morning there, had lunch on top of the crater. Mm. Then we, when we, then we, we're driving in this four-wheel drive Datsun, right? It's got no right to be in this part of Africa um, on these really bad roads, pothole roads with 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 craters rather than potholes in the roads. And we we went via Alduvai Gorge, which is where Dr. Leakey discovered Australopithecus, and we go down in the gorge, and that's pretty interesting. And then we continue going towards Serengeti, and then the car breaks down halfway in the middle of nowhere, and, and it's dead set, completely flat like a billiard table. There's no vegetation to be seen. There's only horizons yep. mm. we can see. And the car broke down because the this bloody four-wheel drive Datsun, the brakes kept on locking. Yep. So it would just stop. And we stopped in the middle of nowhere, and we're there for about... We're there for about three or four hours, and we're thinking, fucking hell, how are we going to get out of this? And then my mate Steve is, is starting to get dark and he's getting paranoid and he's starting to see lions and, and, and rhinos and elephants and he's starting to, his mm. imagination's going crazy and he's getting really paranoid. <laughs> well, eventually this overland truck comes by and it's full of these, it's driven by this Kiwi and he's got, um, no, sorry, it's a German overland truck and he's got all these, uh, no, Kiwi, yeah, driving it. He's got all these German overland tourists and and they towed us to this uh, to this campsite, which mm. was just a few trees. Anyway, pitched a tent with this mate of mine, Steve. I'm sharing a tent with, and it's dark by this stage. And he's standing outside the tent. And he says, "Oh, Phil, you know, come out. There's there's something out here. Come and have a look. Grab your torch while you're at it." And so shine your light. So I so I grabbed the torch. I went outside the tent, and roughly the distance from me to you, mm. Jason there is this sort of white thing. And I think, oh, it's an antelope. Mm-mm. And I shine the torch and it's a bloody lioness. <laughs> and she's just looking at me. This lioness, she's just looking at me. So I stood there and I just, I says, right. And I, I, I pulled out my Swiss Army knife. And I pulled out. I pulled out the knife, but bloody hell, I didn't get the knife. I got the bloody corkscrew. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm shaking the corkscrew at this lioness. 
<laughs> now that's all bullshit, actually. Why does he tell that story? No, I actually. <laughs> well, it's all bullshit on this podcast. Yeah, that's right. That's all we talk about. It's all bullshit. No, what, what actually truly really happened is I ran and screamed. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I shouted, Lion, Lion, Lion in the camp. And everyone was just crazy. Mm. We jumped into the four wheel drive Dapson. The German tourist drunk jumped into the truck. And this, we looked back and this lioness just stretched on the tree beside the tent and just walked through, gave us a look mm. as if to say, well, fuck you guys. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, came, I came to say hello. Hello, and you guys... Had have, a bit of a chat. Yeah. And you guys you know, treat me like shit. You Chop guys liver. treat me like shit. You bloody well scream at me. Run off like some, you know... Here some, I am trying to give you an voice. <laughs> and uh, carry on, like, you know, pork and, chops. And as soon as you fall asleep, I'll come back and finish what I started. That's it. Yeah. Well, what happened was later that night, we were sleeping in the tents, of course. Mm. And lions generally, unless they're rogue, they don't have a reputation for going into tents. Mm. Lions are not in the habit of going into tents and pulling humans out. And Unlike kill, dingoes. Killing them. Because dingoes do that. They're still babies. I've heard that. There's yeah. a story about that. Story, <laughs> fuck, but, story. Um, but anyway, I remember that night badly needing to go for a piss. <laughs> I really seriously need to go for a piss. Mm. And there's no way I was going to leave that tent. No way. So I had to sort of manoeuvre under. Have you tried that to manoeuvre under the bottom of a tent? Mate, I've done it in uh, Germany. <laughs> I'll get, you want a quick story? Sure. Give Hold your story. thought. Yeah, I'm yeah. known for my stories. So I went to the Oktoberfest. Right, and uh, we couldn't find any uh, accommodation in Munich, so the only accommodation we found was a was a tent city at a race course. Mm-hmm. So it's like Rose Hill, but it was in September in Germany, and it pissed down rain, oh. and it was fucking mud. <laughs> the whole thing was fucking mud. It was mud, and so you're covered in mud. You slept in mud. You did everything in mud, right? But it didn't matter because you'd wake up the next day. You look like fucking predator, like you had mud all over. And you'd wake up the next day, you'd wipe the mud off your face, and you'd go back to the beer hall. Did that five days in a row. Mm. So by the end of it, I think sometime at some point in my sleep, I like I got into a piss, and I don't know how I'm going to do it because I was I was sharing the tent with three other mates. I think we just decided a corner in the tent was the designated piss zone. And the thing was, oh fuck! It was, I was, it got worse, because by the end of the fifth day, we, I decided I can't do this anymore. I've got to have a shower. I can't do this anymore. And they had these uh, mobile showers or something, Mm. and so I walked over there, and I decided I'm going to have a shower. No hot water, of course not. (laughs) Really cold water. (laughs) Germany in October. Germany in September isn't exactly hot. No. And I'm like, all right. And I got more mud on me taking my clothes off to have a shower than I did had when I had mud on me before I had the shower. <laughs> it was a it was an asshole fucking but, thing. But and I came back and everyone said, Didn't you have a shower? You look like shit. I go, fucking you have a look at the showers. They were they had mud all over them because everyone was pissed. Mm. And so people were using it as like a slippery slide <laughs> in the showers because it was wet. <laughs> and and germ, I'm telling you now, the the combination of all the nationalities on, on the piss Things went. Ha- think it was crazy times. <laughs> it was crazy times, and people were using it as a slippery slide out of these showers. And mm. they didn't. I don't think the organisers really thought that people would want to have a shower. 
They were just going to drink for five days. It's the only time in my life I've hated beer. I hated it because I want. I had to get out. I had to get out of there. It was so bad. And so, what did we do? <laughs> what did we do? What did we do to cheer? So, what did we do to cheer ourselves up? We went to Dachau concentration camp. That was fucking fun. Yeah. <laughs> more fun than being in that oh. pit. But, you know, look, you got to do those things and experience those things when you're there. You know, you've got to appreciate the history and learn the history so you don't repeat the mistakes. But, you know, that was a that was an experience that I didn't really want to ever have again. But you got to have a designated piss zone in the tent. That's, <laughs> that's the moral of the story. If you can't get out of the tent, because you don't want to lie in it. You just no, no. have a designated... Oh, you don't want to be smelling it oh, all the time either. It's, it's, a pro- it's a problem if there's a bit of a slope in the tent because it's all going to... Oh, it just slide back and down. And what it did. That's just what it did. Ask, yeah. ask my mate Duncan. He, he fucking copped a lot of it. So there's no floor <laughs> in this tent, I'm guessing. it's just. It did, but you know those cheap tents that have that crunchy plastic? Oh, yeah. I don't think the tent was set up too well. Oh. And so there were like uh, puddles. It wasn't flat. Oh, this was oh. rough as guts. Oh. The, the, it was an abandoned race course or it was a race course that wasn't currently being used mm. and so it was very muddy and it was full of like uh, potholes or holes so all the water just accumulated Pulled up yeah. it, it, and it was yeah. not it was not good so you put your tent on the top of it and you paid money for this shit there was nowhere else to stay <laughs> you should have fucking thought about that first there was nowhere else to stay <laughs> yeah, that's this is pre-Airbnb days yeah, pre Air and B, Air and B, what do you call it? Airbnb. Air it was, yeah, it was pre- that that didn't sake. exist. God, you get some stories out of using that rotten. I mean, I love Airbnb. I'm sure those guys are great. They're fantastic. Mm. Really, <laughs> <laughs> they're sponsoring the podcast. Airbnb, a fantastic service to oh, get your accommodation. Fine, it's Fifty-fifty using that service. Really? Yeah. I used it in America when I travelled uh, about three or four years ago, going from driving from Dallas all the way to Miami. And we Airbnb'd it. And I'd never used Airbnb before this. And no bullshit, I actually think think it was pretty good. Like the, I've the, never had a bad experience. I've, had, the, the I've never com- had a bad The houses experience. that were picked, I didn't mm. pick them. A friend of mine did it. They were fantastic. you got to check the reviews pretty diligently. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah. There's, a, there's, oh, one, there's one downside, Pottery Pete. Yeah. With the last house, <laughs> the last house that we stayed in, in Miami... We noticed that the door was broken in one of the bedrooms, and I dare say somebody's had a party in it, and the door was broken. So we rang the owner straight away because I said, because I found it, and I said to my mate, "We better ring that owner that you're in contact." Is he going to blame you? Because she's going to blame us. Because it was fucked. This door, right? That's as bad as you got. I, I mean, and I, no, I no, 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 no. What happened was <laughs> we rang, we rang the nothing. owner, right? <laughs> yeah. But I don't, I don't think she was the full quid because about two weeks later she rings us up. We're still in the states. She goes, "Oh, you, you damaged the door." And we're like, "Hang on, darling. We were the ones that rang you and said your door's fucked. It wasn't <laughs> us that was like a bull in a china shop running around the house. That wasn't us. Uh, but that's the that's the downside because if there is any damage, I don't know how." They're you insured ha- through how you prove that yeah. it wasn't you. Yeah, that's the that's only right. loop. I reckon you need to do. I, I reckon you need to do a walkthrough as you walk in the fucking. Door. You don't get a chance because they're not there. Oh man, look, I'm not, yeah, I know the owners that. aren't there. The but the if you capture and timestamp no. the video, I stayed at a place where whatever I did would have been you just photographed the whole place. <laughs> that's what we did. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. we we photographed it. Conversation Sorry, now we photographed the house. Yeah, and we sent it back to the owner. 
And she was a professional golfer. I'm not backing this up. She was a fucking pro golfer, uh. right? Because there was pictures of her. Because we were like running around the house going, she's got a bit of a, got a, got a quid, you know? Mm. And so the imagination's running. Mm. Is she married? You know? Because we're like, she's rich. This was a big house. Pro golfer, right. Pro golfer. Yes. I've seen Caddyshack. My dreams are coming true. <laughs> so I'm like, who is she, right? And what happened was we took the photo we sent it to her, but she's forgotten who had sent. Like, she had a couple of people come into the house after we left. Because what they do is, I think, you leave, they get a cleaner yep. in, they clean it. They put it, the keys in They put the keys in. Yeah. Maybe they visit. They might but, not even live but there. But I, I don't think she was even in the state. I really you know, don't. I've, I've been to places where they don't live anywhere near they there. Weren't, she, you got a little safe you put the key back yeah. into. they got a, a yeah. cleaner that comes in after you, and yeah. that's about it. I had a door where the lock didn't even work, so there was no key. I mean, there was a, <laughs> there was a, I think it was a key in the door, but you couldn't lock the door. So I was like, why is there a key in the door if the lock doesn't even work? But this door was fucked. And she said to us, well, you guys did it. And we're like, no, we told you, remember? And she goes, oh, and then there was a couple of days and then she's come back to us and said, I'm very, very sorry. I apologize. You're right. You guys did do that. I know who did it and I'll take it up with them because it was the people before us that did it. Mm. And it was quite a bit of damage. I'm not saying it was the whole door frame. Someone Someone kicked it in. I think it's a bunch of footy play, like gridiron players. They've got like on the, it's house party. I've seen the movie. So it's house party. They've had a food fight. They've gone through the door. Yeah, pretty much. No, I've been to... Oh, look, God's sake. There's, I mean, sometimes it looks so good when you look them up. Like, there was this lovely mud brick studio of disdain. It was gorgeous, on a farm, all that kind of thing. You show up and the directions say, you know, go left, right, this, that, and the other. And it's like, so first, it took half an hour to find the place. You show up, you get out of the car. The first thing to greet you is a dog running at you, howling its brains out. To my house. On, on a tank your boat. house. And it's like, we don't know this dog. And um, luckily enough, I just pulled up and started whimpering like a lot of dogs do. Mm. And they're all, they're all noise. I was like, that's not a great start. And you go into the place and, uh, yeah, no curtains on the window. So, um, yeah, you get to wake up with, with the sun, which is great <laughs> when you're travelling. If you don't want to wake up with the sun, you don't get much choice. And if you've got a bit of a drinking problem. And, uh, <laughs> oh, there was nothing right about the place. The, the kettle was full of ants. And you couldn't wash them out because they were in that you know that little tube yeah. thing where it tells you how much water's yeah. in it. You can't wash that bit out. So every time you put water in, more ants would come out. Yeah. It was like, okay, no coffee in the morning either. It was such a disaster. We, we had the opposite. There was one place, I'm not joking, she had on a chalkboard as you walked in, this is the Wi-Fi password. Help yourself to the internet. Um, I've left some co- uh, cookies and uh, snacks in the in the basket, so help yourself. Oh, it was un- insane. Mm. But she had, I think you get a rating. Yeah, people that are fishing for five stars or whatever. She had the five yeah. star rating. She was no joke. She was like the the king, the the queen of fucking Airbnb. She was no joke. <laughs> and she had the cookies, and she had she had the the chalkboard. This is the Wi-Fi password. So. Yeah, this is the one, another house, and then the other house, she was pretty good too, but then there was an incident with the door, which wasn't our fault, but she kind of forgot that we had told her that mm. we weren't the ones that did it, and she kind of got up us a little bit and then retracted it. But my experience with Airbnb has been awesome to Mine's the fact that I'd actually use it over a hotel now. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, there's another place. You're too busy another making pottery, there was, man. There was no one even home. We showed up at about 6.30. Yeah, it was the, dark. The, there never is. We're banging on the door. Mm. We had to be greeted by someone, not someone had to let us in. We didn't have a key or anything. Oh. All the instruction was to yeah come around, we'll let you in, all the rest. 
banging on the door, banging on the windows. They actually had a bell outside the door. You could be like a literal, like a ship's bell. Mm. Ringing that thing for so long, no one was around. Like one of the neighbours came out and I think they were about to call the cops because we looked like we were trying to like wreck the place. In the end, I actually took that bell off the wall <laughs> and walked around the house with the bell, banging the bell. I'm thinking, is anyone in this house, they're surely going to hear it. And we had to give up. And, and my partner needed to go to the bathroom. Mm. I was like, oh, this is such a disaster. We're not going to find anywhere to stay this time of night in a country town. And so we had to dro- we drove off. And mm. we had to go to like a public park. And luckily the toilets were still open. They weren't locked up. So I guess there wasn't a meth app mm. in that town yet. So um, There will be. And then I just kept, I called him about 14 times. Finally, the owner actually answered the phone and said, yeah, I'm at home. And it's like, how does anyone sleep that well? It was like, you can't be serious. And so, yeah, totally got up the guy. And, uh, Might have yeah. been on the bog. You don't know. No, he was you got to give people the benefit said, oh, of the doubt. I'm a heavy sleeper. I was just like, oh, man, I messaged like an hour before we even got there to say we're on our way. I'll defend him. I'm a heavy sleeper. <laughs> yeah, this this yeah, motherfucker it, sleeps through fire alarms. I, fuck, I have. True story. You know true story I have. Coming, if you know someone's coming, you don't take a nap. <laughs> I do. So that was a disaster. <laughs> yeah. We had a few of those. I was just like, oh, it's really hit and miss with this thing. It's Were like, they five star rated, the people? Uh, I don't remember. Because if they're five star rated and they've got, and they got a, a few, number of ratings, they've got a number yeah, of ratings, usually they're pick, usually no yeah, joke. usually all right. Yeah, so the ones we had, she, the dub. Usually I won't get anywhere that's not yeah. five stars with less than, say, 50 reviews. They're all, like, lady owners, yeah. and they're all really highly rated. They yeah. had a number, and they were no joke. That being like, said, I'm still waiting for Phil to tell us the rest of the pissing in the, the yeah, tent. Yeah, can you story. tell me about pissing in the tent? <laughs> Sorry, we, we do this. Sorry. Sorry. No, I, there was no... We've got lamingtons upstairs, so it's I cool. Managed to, I managed to be able to manoeuvre under the tent. How do you manoeuvre so, under the tent? Well, well because um, just, I was just trying to think. Of it. it must have been a tent that had a base. That was like... And had a side. Yeah. yeah. There was a bit of a gap. Oh, look, it had one of those zip-up things, you know? Uh, That's what we had. Uh, yep, you, yep. you unzip. Yeah. And, and then you just stick your old fella out. Mm. Yeah. And, and away you go. That's what mm. we had. Yeah, yeah. Except we did it so, in the tent. Huh? We. That's what we had, except we were doing it in the tent. Because you're fucking morons. And why? Why wouldn't you just go on outside the tent? Because it was Oktoberfest. <laughs> <laughs> level of care. To it was not good. Extent. It wasn't a good time in my life. <laughs> He's not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> God, yes. Oh, dear. Didn't know what we were doing in Oktoberfest. I drank out of a, uh, a stein glass that was smashed. Because you know how... In most European countries, or even here, you get the the Stein glass and you go Prost. Is it Prost? Yeah, it's one of those. Anyway, I did it. I, I met a group of Italians or something like this, and I was talking to them, and I did it, and I broke the glass. I didn't even know I broke it, and it was all chipped in that. And I'm drinking out of it, and one of my mates goes, "You know, you've broken your your Stein glass, and it's all like you're going to kill yourself drinking Some that crunchy bits. Cr- there'll be crunchy bit. I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever." <laughs> What I'd have, I'd have had a I'd have had a Greek a Greek uh, hex on me at that point. It didn't matter to me anymore. I've run over some old ladies' chickens. It was cool. So you're covered in mud. You got a hangover. Oh, you're bleeding bad. from the ass because you've swallowed some. Glass. It was bad. Yeah. yeah. Trouble. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, yeah. I did some stupid shit. This kind of reason I don't like traveling. Yeah. You don't like traveling? No. Have you? I hate it. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm not a vacation kind of person. I'm trying to convince him to go to Japan next year. Oh, it's it's awesome, Japan. Yeah, see, I want I want them to take my partner and just leave me behind, so then I can have a holiday, not going anywhere. Oh, Japan's awesome. I'm yeah. I'm tempted to ask him, can I come? Phil hasn't been to Japan I either. I spoke to a Buddhist monk about this, just to give you a bit of sort of spiritual sort of um, spiritual foundation for your decision not to go anywhere. He, I was telling him about all the places I'd been, and he said. Um, he said, well, why do you need to go anywhere at all? Because, of course, for a Buddhist, the, the, only, the only journey is... Um, internal. Is the internal yeah. one. You don't need to go anywhere at all for that. Nice. So, mate, that's, is that what you're doing? So yeah, yeah, I'm becoming a experiencing Buddhist. Experiencing the, the spiritual journey. Uh, yeah. yeah. Another, another um, a, a, Sioux, a saying from the Sioux, the, the American Native Indians. American tribe. Um, I love this. I love this as a quote. The longest journey you'll ever do is the one from your from your mind to your heart. That's a nice quote. Isn't that a nice quote? Mm. So, so there you go, mate. I mean, just, you know, to keep that in mind when, oh, you, I think my when you're sitting at home not going anywhere. World, so. <laughs> What's the point? Sorry, it's shit all over the world. People are shit all over the world. Is yeah, that, yeah, yeah, pretty much. No, I think, it's, I think it's the opposite. I think people are fantastic all over the world, actually, mm. my experience. Mm. Yeah. There are very few. I, I, I've hardly ever met any dickheads. Well, there's a few, of course. But, uh, it's always uh, a few. But, but the vast majority are really great people. Yeah, I'd agree. That's my experience living and travelling. So, mate, you're missing out on you lot. are, you are, man. All like, these great people in all these different cultures, hospitality, food. The food. Mate. Mm. You think the Japanese food we're going to eat tonight's good? Nothing compared yeah. to the food you've got to have a there, Moss mate. Burger, man, in, in, in downtown Tokyo. I heard Moss, Moss Burger ain't doing too well, financially speaking. Are they? Mm. Oh, that's I'd like, be devastated if Moss that's Burger went out of business. Sad. My Japanese friends can confirm that, but I, 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 had, I, I heard that they were not competing well in the modern age because they're quite an expensive. What's a Moss Burger? Moss Burger's like a, an upper-class McDonald's awesome. franchise. So imagine McDonald's, but with actually burgers that look like what comes on the picture the burgers look better than the picture hmm. i'm not joking they are the shit they, and the and the fries come in like a they come in a basket mm-hmm. or fries or chips 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 yeah chips. yeah decent size yeah chips. and the burger chips, mate. and the burger the bun is glossy mm-hmm. it's got that shine on it hasn't been squished down by let some me tell you how good these bur- brioche. Mm. is that because some uh, weird stuff's been sprayed on it yeah but you don't give a fuck when you eat because it, it tastes burger. so good <laughs> it tastes so good i'll tell you let me tell you how good these burgers look you remember in the 90s and even in the 80s you know the hamburger telephones they looked like hamburgers but they were telephones mm, yeah they fucking look like this <laughs> they're quite large hamburgers. no they, they look <laughs> almost fake we're Close. talking about green machines before moss burger that's moss burger Fucking fantastic. Oh, is it uh, beef? Y- yeah. What it, you can actually, no, you can get no. vegetarian burgers as well. So it is beef, um, but you can get, Ray usually has Mate, the... I can't, I can't see any beetroot on that. You don't well, want... Well, that's, that's an Aussie that's thing, an Aussie right? Thing. How, can, yeah. how can it be a serious... That's an Aussie thing. So I remember being in Utah and going to a diner. Beetroot. It's all yeah. you can taste when you get beetroot in there. I love beetroot. Oh. I do too, but it's not, it's not really... Beetroot on a burger. I don't mate. mind fresh beetroot, but not, not that pickled thing. Moss oh. burger is unreal. You said they're here. You're, you're that's, in a, that's actually what it looks like when it comes out, right? Cheese, yeah. lettuce, tomato. Well, they've got different burgers, but they, they do have a, uh, a rice burger, which is like a, a patty that's made out of rice. Oh, and, the, and that's typically what, what Ray health, goes with. There's your health burger, right? Eh? That's your equivalent of something that's vaguely healthy. You don't give a fuck when you're over there, but. That's so good. You don't care. It's so good. So, and 
Is that, so they're, they're not doing so well. Well, they're being run out of business by McDonald's, are they? I don't know. Uh, I There's a lot I of competition not. in Japan, right? So there's, there's a restaurant every two metres. Wait, mossburger.com.au, are they actually in Australia? Yes, there's one in Brisbane that I know Is of. There? One. Yeah, be near the uh, Surface Paradise, wouldn't it? No, there's one in Brisbane, have, Brisbane City. Well, but fair income though, Jason. I mean, mm. if you want to eat Japanese, why the hell would you go to Mossburger when you can go to a sushi oh, train? Yeah, absolutely, but at least yeah. one meal has to be Mossburger, okay. followed up by a green tea ice cream. Okay, okay, I'll give you the hot tip. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you the story. Mm. I've been there five times because he used to live over there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so when the first time I went there, one of the first nights he says, we're going to have KFC. Mm. I fu- Am I right? Yep. He's, and I said, I've come all the way to Japan. I'm not going to have fucking KFC. I don't <laughs> even eat the shit here. And he says, no, we're going to have KFC. It was to prove a point. To prove a point. And we went there and I'm, Phil, I'm telling you, the, tr- the, the chicken is not covered in that greasy fucking shit. It's crispy. Pottery, Pete, get on it. Get, I'm just saying, what's wrong with the greasy? It, it, well, no, because you can't. You, you, it, I can't digest, can't digest that anymore, it, man. It does bad stomach, things to me. The stomach doesn't like it anymore, man. I, I have to drink a lot of kombucha to get rid of the so shit. So it is a KFC. It was yeah. a KFC. Yeah, it was, it was a, a KFC. One hundred percent. It was, but but different. It wasn't oil. They're not. Oil, they're not oil. They don't different use quality the oil. standard. They yeah. don't use the oil that we have. Mm-hmm. The chicken is very crispy, and it was amazing. It was amazing. And then, then we had a green tea ice cream. But, but I thought these organisations were about standardisation, unified. See, I, I reckon... Product. See, here's the thing. I think I, the one in Japan is what it was meant to be like. And then in other parts of the world, it's sort of been downgraded you know to sloppy shit. A, a, a friend of mine, his brother used to live there too. And his theory on the world was... Because even if you go to a McDonald's over there, mm. and that is standardisation... They're still better quality. You would, you would order a burger like you would a Big Mac here. You'd order over in, in Tokyo, mm. and you're right. It is standardised in terms of what the actual product contains, mm. but the presentation leaves this place for dead because you, they adapt to the culture they're in. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, the, the theory Which is sense, yeah, the theory yeah. is, and that's what this guy was explaining to me. A friend, a friend, uh, was saying that it's because the, the kids that work over there they actually give a shit. They actually take, they take pride, pride in their work. They actually take pride in the fact that they're working for uh, a big company, and it's and it is you can see it when you go there. Like if you uh, ask someone, oh, "What company do you work for?" and they mm. say, oh, "I work for Sony" or "I work for Panasonic," it's a big deal for them. And so, even if they get a job for an American company like McDonald's, they actually have pride in it. They take pride in what they do, and I'm not saying. 100% of the kids do. Mm. You know, there's probably a couple of kids that go, oh, fuck, you know, I just want to go home and do some weed or something. I don't know what the kids do there. But Pretty hard to do know. weed in Japan. No, nah, they probably want to play the Nintendo Switch. Mm. They're all over looking for the Pokemons. <laughs> That's not still a thing, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. It, is, it is still a thing. There's a new game. No, the there's a new game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the poke, the, you cannot kill the Pokemon. The Pokemon will... So anyway, they do take pride in it, but the product is very different over there. The chicken, the the, the hamburgers, and Moss Burger was the best. Moss Burger is just you have to. It do is it. fast food. It's fast yeah, food. It's it it, and I agree. You know, any day of the week, I'd prefer to go to a legit, you know, set meal sort of what they call a teshoku, like set meal restaurant or a izakaya or a pub. What about um, what about Olden? 
or then from 7-Eleven. Yeah, 7-Eleven. Yeah, you go to 7-Eleven and you get your... your in, it has to be in winter. They don't do it in summertime, okay, right? It's, so you go there and you get your your, your soup with a, you know, your egg and your noodles and shit in it and that's your dinner. It's, yep. but, but, but I suppose that, that indicates, Jason, the Japanese have a totally different idea and cultural ethic around food. Don't they? Absolutely. To here. It's a huge part just, of their identity they is food. Won't eat shit. They, no, they will won't. not tolerate and shit. And if you no. go there, every pottery poop, when you go there, every, <laughs> it's a when now. <laughs> every you go on there, mate. It's either that or you come we, with me. We can me. do the podcast. It's either on the that road. or you come with me when I turn fifty and we're dropping acid in the Grand Canyon. It's either that. You'd be better off going to the Japan. <laughs> Passing all those eggs. <laughs> that's if I make fifty. That's another fucking story. That's a story but for a different podcast. That, that's, another, <laughs> that's a long story. So here's the thing, right? It is really real. The food is it's almost an obsession over there because it used to do my head in. Because the first time I went there and I would watch TV, the occasional crazy game uh, TV game show would be on there where they got like a guy strapped to a car and a big wrecking ball above him and they're about ready to drop the wrecking ball and smash into the guy that's chained on a car. That's a real thing. That happened. I saw it. But there are, every channel that they have is about food. They're showing food being every prepared. Every show has something to do with it's food. It's got something to do with food. They're yeah. obsessed by it. And um, I think they really take pride in it. Mm. I really do. Yeah, yeah. You know? Mm. And so even if it's a, a, a McDonald's that you go to or a Moss Burger, and yes, it is fast food. And it, uh, Jason took me to um, one night we're walking down back to his apartment that he was living in at the time. Where was that? Was that in? It was in Kodaira. Kodaira Shi. Yeah, but. Ni Kokobunji. Kokobunji, that's yep. it. And he goes, oh, well, let's just get some fast food for dinner. So I, I don't know what he was thinking, but he went. we went to a 7-Eleven and he gets this shit in a bucket. <laughs> I, I thought this is it. It's over. He now. goes, I'm going to get food poisoning. I'm going to get food tonight. poisoning. I'm not going to die tonight. It was in a, like a, was it like a wicker basket? like a bamboo no, basket? No, no, no. It's like, yeah, no, it was almost like a, it's just like a fucking KFC bucket almost. It didn't look good. Yeah, but it's, and just, it's and a soup. It's like a soup. It's a soup. Dumplings and shit. But it, can put, it has these eggs in it too. It has eggs and things in yeah. it. Yeah. But it's really good. It's really, really good. We make it here all the time. Yeah. It's right. really good. Odin's really good. But you won't. Even a vending machine, man. You go past the vending machine. You'd have so much fun in. You'd, mate, you'd have so much fun in, in, in Japan just for the fucking vending machines. <laughs> there is literally nothing you cannot buy from a vending machine. Schoolgirl panties and a sandwich. You're done. <laughs> You're done. True story. True story. You don't need anything else. <laughs> and didn't I go on a Fanta rampage? I, I was collecting, all the, collecting all the Fanta flavors. The, 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 what do you call it? The bottles. You've still got them, I I've think. still got them. Yeah. The bottles. I've never seen the bottles before like this, ever. They're like a weird, well, rounded... They've, they've also got the smaller sized ones, which have only just been released here. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the, smaller, the smaller cans that you can get? You used to get the like the normal size cans of Coke. No. But there's a small, there's a 80s, smaller size. Like there was a half can. Yeah, in the eighties. Yeah, no, that's a half can. There's one, there's one that you can get now, which is a little and bit that little smaller. Air vent thing you had to pop we out. Talk we talk it. about that. We this talk morning. about it. <laughs> you see, pottery people went in. Remember, and you could jump on them and they wouldn't crush. Yeah. So thick now you remember they had the yeah, two yeah. hole system. Yeah, yeah. You had to open the hole and an air hole. That's yeah. right. You had to take. The, you had to do the little hole first, with and then you had to do the big hole. Right. You can only do it with keys. But occasionally you'd fuck up, and you do the big hole first, and you go shit, and the air would go bang, and you'd be. All over the place, hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. and um, um, Fanta and all that used to come in a glass bottle. That was like a gallon glass bottle yep. with a 
Styrofoam label. Mm. Yep, that's right. Those, yeah. Now, you know what I love? I think it was the late 70s, though. That was yeah. It's amazing how this conversation yeah. has I, jumped. But now, anyway. here's the thing. Do you remember Pottery Pete? Because mm. we talked about this earlier. Remember when the PET bottles used to have a plastic cup of uh, black, the black plastic? thing, yeah, yeah, glued to the bottom. And then all of a sudden they said, fuck that, you don't need that. And they used <laughs> to just put it on the feet. Yeah. And we've never gone back. Hmm. We're still on the, the feet. They've never given us the plastic thing back because of the environment. But in the 80s, right. you didn't give a fuck about the environment because I remember going to McDonald's and you had the styrofoam. Everything was styrofoam. Everything was in styrofoam. No such thing no as recycling. No one gave a fuck. Yeah. And you'd open up the, the styrofoam. I think blue was the McFish. Blue was the McFish. Oh, fillet, fillet of fish. A fillet of fish, yeah. yeah, yeah. But wasn't it a, a fillet of fish? Fillet yeah, of it was fish, never yeah. been yeah. McFish. A fillet of fish. <laughs> yeah. oh, McFish is better. McFish is better. McFish. I'm surprised. That what, what, what are they thinking? Fucking McDonald's marketing team. Get on that. Get on it. Fillet of fish was blue. <laughs> uh, the Junior Burger was white, but it had like orangey type writing. Yep. And the Big Mac was. It's red. My no, I don't think it was. I always remember red. Because the McFish was a funny colour as well. That might have been the origin colour. You had a quarter pounder as well. Yeah, I don't remember that one. I never really ate the quarter mm. pounders back in the 80s. I don't eat Maccas anymore. I haven't had yeah. Maccas since 2010 and that was in South Africa because there was nowhere else to eat. The we last went- time I had Maccas was in China because it was the only place that I felt that I was not going to get food poisoning in that particular town. <laughs> because yeah, you've been there. I was there. <laughs> Talk about cultures. The town that will not be mentioned. So Phil, Phil, I, I need Phil to go to China to experience it. Uh, okay, it's it's on his bucket list. It's, it's going to happen. It's an, it's I'll a, take him there. If it's I have a country to. of contrast, big big extremes, but the extremes aren't like uh, there's no resentment in those extremes yet. Yet, I think there will be, but not yet. And so when we went, we were in a, a, a town where there was people that were relatively affluent. I would say Somewhere. driving. Some were. Cars and yeah, some were driving, yeah. but some had nothing to their name. I remember there was one place we went to. I don't know why we ended up there. They were friends of your friends of the friends of the friends. If I had a dollar for every fucking friend and second, third, fourth, fifth cousin, I'd be rich. Hmm. But we were invited to one house, and all they had in that house was just a mattress on the floor. And they couldn't do enough for us. They wanted us to have food. They wanted us to stay for tea. But all they had, they had a mattress on the floor. And it blew my mind because then I'm thinking there's something in this because why are these people so hospitable? But if I go back home, no one gives a fuck. I could I could be dying and stabbed on the street. He's right. Yeah, nobody gives a shit, right? It's, right. A, it's a culturally, it's a very different place. Isn't that sad? Like the the less you have, the more hospitable you are. But the more you have, the less hospitable you are. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Have I? I know I'm talking hmm. shit. Are you always? Do? I know Phil's Phil's Lee. He's got something he wants to add to this conversation. I can tell. <laughs> He wants to say. He wants to say, "You're pulling shit out of your ass." Right <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. Huh? You can do it. You can tell him to fuck off. You can yeah. tell me to fuck off. <laughs> I'm done with this podcast. It's, it's getting too hot with for me. Like yeah, a little bit longer would be fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you agree or disagree on that? Do you think that people, because you've travelled probably arguably more than any of us here, and you've obviously seen a lot more in the third world, arguably, I would say. Would you believe, would you kind of sort of agree that those that have less tend to be more hospitable than those that have more? Look, yeah. Some, well, some of the, some of the uh, the best hospitality I've experienced has been in really poor villages. Um, that's in, my in, that's in, my in experience. Bangladesh. Yeah, 
yeah, you arrive in the village, people come and grab you, you go and sit in this little hut which is made of jute and mud and there's nothing in this hut except uh, what they call the chockey, which is a bed base and a bamboo uh, uh, mat on top of the chockey and there's a little earthen stove out the front and uh, out comes the... Um, um, the jackfruit and the rice yep. and the coconut water or the, you know they'll go and get you the best one though the best one though was I remember in Peru um, this little girl called Maribella and she I, I was sleeping after travelling in the back of a truck all day I was sleeping in this park I just crashed in this park because I'd been lying on bags of onions all night and a stunk of onions and my body was bloody sore and mm. I, I was sleeping in this park and she was I woke up and, and she's just sitting right in front of me and she's got these two dirty feet and anyway, we got talking and, and she said oh you know the only thing I want in my life is uh, I just want a, um, a basketball and a pair of shoes that's what I want I said oh that's a great story and then it got a little bit uncomfortable for me and um, I was thinking, oh, you know, she wants me to give her money. And mm. How am I going to get out of this? She's a nice kid. But anyway, I walk away and then she later comes and grabs me and she says, I want to take you to see my auntie. And she takes me to through these slums of this Nazca. It was in Nazca mm. in Peru. And as I'm entering this slum, this, uh, this couple are having a fight and literally the guy blew the house down because the house was made of just bamboo, right? Mm. And he literally blew it down. They're having this argument and this house just collapses because <coughs> these two out. are having yeah. a domestic. The whole bloody thing just collapsed. He pulled the house down. Anyway, so, so I'm having, um, I'm invited into this this house, this really basic house, which is just a bam, you know, bamboo walls and a, and a dirt floor. And uh, and the auntie who is one of the, to this day one of the sexiest women I've ever met in my life, mm. she was just dropped get gorgeous. Ring a ding ding. She uh, she says to Maribella, "Can you go and get some food?" And so so uh, she gave her money and she came back with chicken chips and a Coca Cola, which was a mm. big deal. That would have been huge, yeah. huge, huge, big deal. And um, anyway, I'm I'm sitting there eating with with this gorgeous woman. And and she 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 eats the chicken and she she spits mm. it, spits it out mm. the floor, which sort of ru ruined, ruined the mood, ruined the yeah. mood a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to improve on that, darling. If we if we're going to be a yeah. thing. if we're going to be a, a deal, we we got to talk about that. But uh, but but yeah. So 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 they knew me from nobody. Mm. Didn't know me from Adam, and they've invited me into their home. They've given they've spent a lot of money for a really dirt mm. poor family, literally dirt poor. To, to feed me a really good meal and then spent the night um, dancing with the auntie in this there was this big dance in the township and so you know it was all dust being spewed mm. up and, and <coughs> under these sort of orange lights and this really eerie sort of surreal feel and then I just disappeared at about two o'clock in the morning to hop a bus to travel keep on traveling yeah. but but that sort of experience and I've experienced that in in Africa, I've experienced that in, in Bangladesh. Bangladesh is just the most generous, hospitable people I've ever met. And you can never go to a house of a Bangladeshis, and they've got to be three. There's got to be three types of meat. You've got you've got your your mutton, you've got your goat and chicken, or a, you know some sort of variety variation mm. of that. But you've always got th you don't have pork, of course. Mm, of course, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but but the hospital th thing to do is to serve the visitor three types of meat. So three types of meat curries, 
You might have fish, you might have prawns. Mm. You've got to have three types. And so, yeah, I look, look, I do, I do agree with you to some extent that that's true. That mm. you know, some of the really most hospitable experiences I've had with with really, really poor people in villages. Yeah. And and and, and in Peru, funny experience with my daughter recently. Visited this uh, this village in in the Andes because I was going there to check out this village. Uh, the the aim mm. is that one you know hopefully one day soon I'll be taking travellers there to go and stay in this community. And any rate, so what do they do? I'm, I'm with my daughter and and Cheryl, my wife, and they sit us down to lunch. And I can hear this squeaking in the uh, in the house, and I think ah guinea pigs. Mm. And I know what happens. When you visit uh, an Andean family as a guest, you, they serve you a guinea pig. That's what you do for a guest. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, my daughter has a guinea pig as a pet. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't going to end well. This, this isn't going to end well. So I, so, I, so I just quietly lean over to my daughter, Maya, and I say, Maya, I just want you to be prepared for this. You know, you're going to get a guinea pig dumped right in front of you in a second. A roasted guinea pig. Just be ready for that. Mm. And uh, and so sure enough, the guinea pig comes out, and it's a full. It's a guinea pig. It's got a. It's got a red chili in its mouth. Mm-hmm. Like that, it's the whole full bloody guinea pig, roasted, plonked in front of my daughter, and uh, she she handles it so well. Mm. She she said uh, she just uh, quietly um, said, "Oh, Dad, I don't think I can eat this." Yeah. <laughs> I said, don't worry. I'll I will. I'll eat it. I'll eat it. And so, yeah. uh, so, but yeah, really, 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 yeah, poor, the poorest of the poor, yeah, and incredible uh, generosity. And you know, another another story is um, what what really shocked me was uh, was discovering that in in these villages, rich steal from the poor all the time. Mm. This was something I sort of wasn't sort of up for. I remember sitting with this really poor Bangladeshi guy and I was having a conversation with him. I said, you know, what do you normally eat? He said, oh, we just, we're very poor. We just eat rice and, um, and dal. And I said, oh, but I noticed you've got a few chickens running around. And he said, oh, yeah, but he said, um, he said, poor, you know, rich families, uh, rich kids come and steal our chickens all the time. And, um, and, and, <laughs> I was just, I was just, I was just sort of shocked, you know, mm. that, that um, the poorest are the most vulnerable as well, and so these bloody rich people in the village, was st- the, these rich kids would come and yeah. they would steal these chickens from these poorest of the poor Bangladeshi villages, and and I said, oh, but you've got a dog there, and he said, mm. oh, he barked, but you know, and you won't do anything, yeah, you won't do anything, and so these rich come kids come at night, they steal the chickens, piss off with them. These, uh, and so leaving these uh, poor Bangladeshi villagers to just, you know, eat their dal and rice. You need a better dog. Yeah. You need a better dog. You need better dogs. Yeah, or but, a gun. Um, but that was the same in Peru as well, you know. The rich the rich uh, people in the village who were known to everybody would come and steal the maize harvest. Hmm. You know, of yeah, the poor. Yeah, and, uh, and And you, saw, you sort of think of, you have these idealised image in your mind of these... Uh, these villages where people, there's this, you know, um, people know each other, they're supportive of each other, and there's kindness and generosity. And then you discover. But at the end of the day, it's doggy bloody, dog. There's yeah. this bloody meanness and bastardry that goes mm. on, uh, even in these really poor villages that you sort of have, have, have this idyllic image of kindness and peace and generosity and cooperation. 
And you realise that um, it's just rich people exploiting poor people. It goes on even in the poorest mm. villages. I mean, I think about this. I went to Latuthu, which is smack bang in the middle of South Africa. Mm. It's its own um, independent nation. You've got to put your passport in at the gates and all that stuff but it's like a tiny little country mm. within South Africa yep. and I remember going there and there was a lady who was more than happy to share with her some bread that she'd baked that morning and she lived and this is the highest point in Africa it's like on a very large um, mountain and it's got a glacier it's unreal it looks like the, yep. it looks like the moon in places yeah, up in the Drakensberg yeah mm. yeah yep. and so this uh, lady was making us made bread and she wanted us to try some and she had some tea and she was living in a dung hut so it was like made out of um, cow dung mm. and it was a hut and she had the fire on so it was kind of like the, the cow shit mm. was making the place warm and all that stuff and um, she she couldn't help she was so happy that people were in the house I'm thinking okay so would anyone in like you know double bay or two rack in Melbourne, do this shit. No, <laughs> no you know chance, what I mean. <clears throat> and I just, and that's where I got that concept from. And also that time we were in China when mm. they invited Jason and I into this house, and they all they had was a mattress on the floor. They had a house, but they had a mattress, and that was it. But they couldn't help us enough or give us enough food. And then I went to the, the probably the, the more extreme in Africa where she was in a hut had a fire, had this like uh, cloth to sleep on, on the dirt, and she was making bread and she was happy to give out the bread. And I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty intense. And I had the bread and it gave me the runs, but fuck, that's another story. But <laughs> but you know what I mean? I wouldn't... There's a thought yeah, that counts. There's a thought that counts. But, you know, that's where I'm like, it's interesting, isn't it? I think you can very, learn... You can very, learn, very which few. Is, for me, why travel so important? You learn so much about how to be a better person when you go see these places, right? Yeah, you know, for me... You learn, it expands your mind in so many well, different ways. He, here, it is, here it is Australia Day. Hmm. Last time I checked, it is. Oh, it is that today? Yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. Oh, for goodness. So for me, travelling was always about appreciating Australia more the further I yeah. went away from yeah, it. Like, you, know, you know, I agree with you up to a point though, Jason, mm. but it depends what mentality you travel with because mm. I'm sure you've had this experience yourself that you, I've met expatriates living overseas... Uh, and basically, they 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 just use their exper- experience to confirm their sort of sense of cultural superiority. There, there is a, there is elements of that absolutely. Uh, you know, people who cut themselves off from local yep. communities don't yep. don't mix with locals, and and you've seen you've seen the ugly Australian traveller yep. everywhere you go. Yep, and they basically use their travel experience to confirm their own narrow minded arrogant view of the world absolutely so 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 yes i agree mm. if you travel with a, an open, open mind yeah but if you travel to to reinforce your look of, how much better we are ha ha ha, ha sort ha, of ha, a, yeah yeah absolutely. yeah i've had less experience with that but i have seen it and i have had that cringy moment of man no there's people that i like, that do, i lived do, and worked with in japan that had lived there for 20 years and could barely say thank you yeah. in Japanese. It's like, and for me, it, it wasn't that I was upset with them for that. It wasn't because I saw them as being overly arrogant. I just saw it as a missed opportunity. It's like you're missing out yeah, on yeah. so much enjoyment being here with, you know, if you know the language and the culture. And yeah. I'm not saying I know it d- overly deeply, right? But 
to have that little inwards conversation with a local and to get to yeah, know. Yeah, it makes it's, all the difference. It makes so yeah, much the difference. Best, the best travel experience I ever had was when this, I was traveling with a group of, um, I was, had two mates with me, we were backpacking around Europe and we went to America after that. I was away for about four months You're or gone something. For ages, I was gone yeah. for ages. Anyway, one of these guys uh, I'd, I'd worked with and he said he was going to be in Europe at the same time I was and would meet up. And I'm like, cool, because he'd been there before. And we met up and I said, well, what's the plan? He goes, oh, look, I've got a friend and she's got a friend and they want, they're quite happy for us to stay in their place in, um, in Florence, in Italy. And I'm like, oh, cool. And so for about, I'd say, five or six days, we actually stayed with locals. Like, we went out with the locals. We went to the, where they went out. We did. They they went to work. You realised how un-Italian you, know? you were, despite coming from an Italian. Oh, family. I was. <laughs> you know, well they they can they, they they can smell you a mile away yeah. because you know why? Because you're not there all the time. You don't you don't go to the same coffee shop in no. the morning. No, that's it. That you're a stranger, right? It doesn't matter if you can speak baby Italian like mm. I could, and maybe order a dinner or maybe get on the bus or whatever. That means shit because mm. they can hear it in your accent and they can see. It by the way that you dress mm. you don't mm. fit in mm. but that didn't mean that they weren't friendly with us because yeah, they absolutely. were because they 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 knew that we were trying or i was trying to communicate with them and they went english better <laughs> <laughs> Be- better Give for the, the fuck up white boy. Never forget, <laughs> no, they, were, they were like uh better for both if we speak english yeah. okay cool I, i'm with you on that but when you hang out with the locals and you, you're in the local scene it's a very different experience to getting on the bus and take being taken to the tourist traps. Wait, I, there's that. And then snap, 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 get back on the bus. Snap, snap, snap on the photos, yeah. get back on the bus or the train or whatever it is. And those are those are the best experiences that you can have. But the experiences <coughs> that I've had where I've been taken into people's homes and they've got nothing, right? I mean, in real world mm. terms of wealth, they they've got nothing, mm. right? And I was thinking, well, here we are. We get fixated on superannuation and retirement and all this shit. Yeah, first, right? first world problems. First world problems, oh, my problems, blood right? pressure's high. Well, fuck. They live in a mud hut and all she's got to do is to is making the bread. Does she give a fuck about superannuation and her retirement plans and, oh, she's working this job she hates? No. Hmm. Right? Yeah. So I, I don't know I, who's better off. I, I, uh, I whenever someone asks me who who inspires you I, I always see Bangladeshi village women mm. I've never met more inspiring people in my life yeah I'm sure you know some of the people you know, the women who work for us in the village one I'm thinking of in particular Moby Roon who just worked three jobs she was married off to a, a disabled man you know she had no choice in the matter yeah, arranged yeah. marriage yeah. and she's lumped with this disabled guy She's looking after him. She's she's got three jobs. She's working to save the children. You know, she's cooking and cleaning and doing a few other jobs besides, and just a really, really gracious, beautiful, lovely soul. Um, just triumphing in the face of all sorts of adversity, and you know, Bangladeshi village is a really hard place to to, um, yeah. to live and survive. As idyllic and beautiful as it looks from the outside. It's just hell, hmm. really. Well, that's because humans have fucked it up at the end of the day. If there, if there were no humans, I'm sure it would be a very picturesque and beautiful place. Well, it looks picturesque and beautiful, but the, the, but, the but reality is The realities harsh. of, exactly, hmm. the, the harshness of human life is very, very... And, and life, unfortunately, in those places is very cheap, hmm. isn't it? In a lot of places, like, you know, that, you know, 
arranged marriage, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you can only have a son or Made whatever. Their own. Ain't any yeah. OHS in I, some I, of those places. I, I, used to, I used to chat with the, the local guy who's who's whose official uh, one of his official jobs in the community was to he was official marriage arranger. And he'd, uh, he'd go around. Make a mozza, right? And he'd, yeah, yeah, he used to, they, they, families would pay him mm. to, to find a, a daughter, uh, a bride for their son and vice versa. Mm. And I work with a guy. <laughs> I worked with a young ben- a Bangladeshi guy at the company I worked with for many years. He was a young guy. Mm. And um, he obviously had been and raised in Australia, but the expectation was, was that he'd have an arranged marriage. Yeah, and uh, he's still ho- true, I think. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because this guy, whenever he had annual leave, his leave he went back to Bangladesh because his parents had lined up a number of. He had to go to the lineup. Yeah, he, he yep. went. He went through the lineup, and here's the tragedy of it all: he actually fell for a girl that he met in England mm-hmm. that was a Bangladeshi that was on the outer of being the, I guess, what do you say, the second or third mm. or fourth cab off the rank if the preferred girl didn't want to get married with him or the family had a disagreement, whatever the fuck. And the thing was, this fell through. The one he actually wanted that was arranged fell through, so he had to go through the, the ranks again. And he was he was mortified, this guy, because every time he had holidays, he was over in Bangladesh going through the, the rigmarole of, okay, the family's invited this other girl for dinner, you know, and the and her family are there. And it's a big deal, and they want me to like her, and I don't like her, and you know the the pressure, the the pressure. Because I used to joke with him, because I'm a fucking idiot. Because I'd say, well, it's fuck it, I'd, I reckon it'd be great. Because someone make give me a bride. Fuck, give me a bride. It's done. <laughs> tick it off the list. I, I can't be fucked doing it. Like if someone does it for me, done. I tick it off the list. But he was, he says, no, nah, man, you don't get it. Because I was being a dickhead. He goes, you don't get it. He goes, it's actually really stressful because he knows, because my family tells me when I can take my holidays because then I've got to go back on the plane to go to Bangladesh and I've got, the families are all, they're all over there and he goes, I already know who they picked out because they're sending me the emails and the pictures and the, they're telling me all about this girl and she doesn't speak English or whatever it is and then I've got to get off the plane and it, bang, it's the pressure. He goes, you don't understand what the pressure's like and I go, well... I, I, I can't speak for that culture. I'm not going to go into that topic. But it was very stressful for him, mm. you know? Yeah. Uh, you know? There was, uh, uh, now what you're talking about, um, the the landlord of the flat we were living in, his uh, daughter was living in Canada. And so she, they, they brought her to Bangladesh to find a husband and they went through the whole yeah. program, you know, interviews with this number of guys and eventually they decided on a guy and, you know, they arranged the wedding and we yep. went to the wedding and in a Muslim Bangladeshi wedding, the, the 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 groom sits in one room and the bride sits in the other mm, room, yeah. and you go and interact with them separately. And the men eat in one room and the women eat in another room. And uh, Eret uh, Cheryl was describing this very very funny experience. There were shifts mm. in eating, right? And she was in the second shift. And by the way, the guy looked completely miserable. <laughs> yeah, know? he's sitting there. Yeah, and 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 um, the the daughter of the landlord was a lovely, lovely mm. woman. And we and we went and spoke to the guy, and I thought he's a miserable bastard. Yeah. And I said, I, I said, how you know you're looking forward to go to Canada, huh? What? 
Canada? What? Canada? What? I'm not leaving. I, I thought, Jesus. No, <laughs> this is going to This isn't, this isn't going to yeah. work well. <laughs> but, uh, and true enough, they were divorced mm. in about three weeks, which was a huge shame for the yeah. family. Mm. But the wedding was hysterical because uh, Cheryl was in the second shift of eating for the women, mm. and she goes into the room, and, and, and the guy, there's a guy there who's organising all the food, and it was biryani, right? And he goes round and he gets all the leftover biryani from all the plates mm. of the first shift. He puts it all into this metal container. Sort Heats of pat, it up a bit. Pats it down oh, and makes it nice, you know, runs. With, his, with his hands. I've got the runs already thing. <laughs> and then, 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 then he goes and serves it out on the plates. Oh, but oh. then he goes and wipes his hands on this white curtains in the room. Uh, He's so come on, man. Come on. <laughs> what could go wrong? Oh. You so, can just imagine Dad going off his fucking oh, fuck. the, uh, food, the food the technologist. The, food, the food's not prepared well enough, all this sort of shit. Uh, yeah. But the pressure's huge for these guys. Cause, yeah, it is. Because I said to him, because I was a well, dick. I was well, a dick to him. Well, but what's, what's worse about this the pressure on the on the male might be something, Daniel, but the, the female, real pressure's yeah. on the on the woman, yeah. because in the dowry system, as a woman, you've got to come up with with sufficient dowry, and there are just so many cases in Bangladesh where where the women's family couldn't come up with enough dowry, mm. yep. and they end up getting acid thrown in their faces, yep. killed, yep. uh, because they couldn't come up with enough mm. dowry. So. So the dowry system is the real tyranny. I mean, you know, it's pressure for the bloke, but the real pressure is for the woman's family. Yeah, that's what that's, he was. That's, that's where the real pressure. That's what is. he was saying because I, kind of, oh, he's a lot younger than me, and it was kind of his first big job, and he was trying to make it on his own. He was trying to break, the, apron strings. Mm. That's the only way I can describe it of his family. He was trying mm. to be his own person. And it was very hard for him because he kept got he kept like the Godfather. He kept mm. getting pulled back in, you know. Me back. They could, you know. So every every holiday he took, he was in Bangladesh, and he's he was constantly getting the photos and the emails, and and the only time that he actually was really keen on a girl that he wanted to potentially be with, the dowry system prevented him from having what he wanted because I asked him. I said, "Well, what's going on?" He goes, "Oh, no." Nah, the family isn't good enough. Yeah. And, and that was it. That was all that was said. The family's not good enough. Yeah. And I, then, because we're dicks, mm. you know, we are making jokes. So, what, you know, they didn't have a goat or fucking three goats in the day. <laughs> there was, and it was bad taste, you know, but that was, that was it because the one he liked and the, our, the, the sad thing about it was the, the girl that he was interested in that was in um, the part mm. of the scene was communicating with him really frequently and was in London because she was trying to break the apron strings as well. well why didn't you ask him, why didn't you just say to him, look. Fuck it all. Go, go do what you want. Go and, go and marry the I did. To tell your mum that's I did. what you want to do. I did. I did. I did. And what was his response? I did. Because I'm, well, I'm an idiot. And I said to him, look, man, I won't mention that. I go, look, man. Firstly, I said, it sounds pretty fucking sweet to me. You get your pick. He goes, you don't get your pick. Because then he explained it. And I said, okay. And then he was telling me about... Because we would add him fucking... Because Bangladeshis do a lot. They do break... Yeah, they, yeah. and I said to him... Know, they, well, they, do, they do break the, I said to him, the tradition. Yeah, because I said to him... Say, look, you know, fuck this shit. Yeah, yeah, I said to him, listen, man, why don't you just say, fuck it, 
mum, whatever, I'm going to go and I'm going to get this girl from London. I talk to her all the time. We've got a lot in common. We get along really well. You could have said it yeah. could be worse. I, I'm going to go marry I'm going to go. I'm actually going to take my holidays next time and I'm <laughs> going to London. That wouldn't end well, right? Would it? No. And I'm going to yeah. spend time with her. All, we went over all this shit. Because yeah. this guy was miserable, right? And he said to me, you don't understand the pressure my mum puts on me. And I'm, but he was serious, man. He was like, "You don't get it." And if my mum yeah. doesn't put the shit on me, the old man puts the but, shit on. But me, in my you know? personal experience, mothers get over that shit. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't. I don't think you understand their culture. I I understand my wife's culture, which when we turned around and said, "Well, I'm getting married and I'm pregnant with the baby from an." Oh, uh, you West, fucked up. You fucked right? up. You can just imagine how well that shit oh, went down. Mate, you, I was, I was, can I, okay, so I was there. <laughs> Here's the story. Look at Pete. Mm. Here's the story. And it's, fuck, this is not a funny one either. This is a real, so he says to me, do you want to come on holiday and we'll start off in Japan? And by this stage, I like Japan a lot because the first time I didn't really like it. So the second and third time, I'm cool with it. Fourth time he goes, come over. We'll spend a week in Japan. I want you to meet this girl I've met that I've fuck, I'm engaged to, and I'm like, and I think Mum was like, yeah, please go on a reconnaissance, reconnaissance mission and sort out what what your brother's doing. And I get over there, meet meet his wife now our wife, and my um, wife, not our wife, whatever the fuck. It's been a long podcast. Wrong, 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 wrong it's a, religion. It's been a long day. <laughs> it's been a long fucking day. So it's very hot too. It's hot down here, and so. I said, okay, cool, and I met, I met her. And then we went to China and we met her family. But here's the thing. You didn't need to be a genius or fluent in, you know, Mandarin or any other language there to know what was being said. And it was very, very clear there was a lot of disapproval. A lot. Of Jason? A lot, yes. Massive. Like, what the fuck? Right, and what was the what was the disapproval of exactly? I, I well, think. One, okay, can I can I, nuts. can I take a guess? Go nuts. He's a Westerner. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Right. What are they called? Guaylo, Fungway? Something like Baka, that. Yeah. Baka, Westerner. Baka, yeah. Baka in well, that's Japan. Japanese. Yeah. Baka Gaijin. Yeah. Right. Number two. White devil. He's, white yeah, devil, he's a, he's a white devil. Number two. Which may or may not be true. I I'm gonna take a stab. There were better suitors lined up for you and you'd turned your back on all of them because when i was there and i'm no fucking prize mm. i had i there was second cousin was coming out third cousin was coming out fourth cousin. if i had have stayed there for another month i'm telling you now i could have done all right for myself but i was i, I wasn't in, i wasn't in it to get married right but but i'm sure that what was being said was well, we kind of promised the family down the street or whoever it is, yeah. am I right, that, you know, you would be married off to this family or we would we had made a promise or we had made some kind of arrangement. I don't know if it was that deep, there, but I, there was I think... some I kind think of... Could, because that, that component definitely was there yeah. and it was a very active part of the local culture, keeping in mind that China is a, a country made up of many different cultural groups and different yeah. areas, right? So it's not just a, a uniform, everyone's Chinese. No, that's right. It's quite different. Yeah. And I, I think when I rocked up, I was probably the first Westerner they'd well, ever seen, well, well, first you know, Cheryl, Cheryl's father, uh, my wife's Australian mm. Chinese, um, she expressly forbid her daughters to go out with white guys. Mm. 
Now that's back in the 70s, 80s, right? But that was a very, very strong attitude among Chinese that they wanted their children to marry into other Chinese. Does she know Gary the Asian? I was telling the story before. <laughs> I was telling the, it's a long, it's been a long podcast. I was telling the story about I grew up in nineteen it's nineteen seventy nine there was a kid who was older than me. His name was Gary, but he was Asian. And I'd never seen an Asian before. And you gotta back then there, it wasn't like it is now. No, and I'm not I being don't. funny. I'm not being right. I'm not being any of it. And we, I, that being said, we, we did grow up in the western. We did western grow up. We grew up in the sticks. Right? Yeah. We grew up in the sticks, and I, we used to. Kids used to call him Gary the Asian. That was how it was. <laughs> it's like and he, pottery and he was Pete. cool. He was cool with it. Like pottery Pete's cool with it. You could have called him much worse. No, absolutely, absolutely. Well, is there more right. than one Gary in you at least? No, that was the only one. So he's the only Gary, but you felt you had to preface his name with. Because I didn't know what he was. Because I came home, I came home. I said, "Mum, how come he looks different?" And she said, so "Well, he, he's he couldn't just be Gary." No, because I one Gary. You know, because okay, Gary. I would, but it, but this is me. I came home. I told the story earlier. You weren't here, Pottery Pete. No. But I told the story <laughs> earlier how I came home, and I said, "What's wrong with this kid, Todd?" And Mum goes, "What are you talking about?" I go, "Well, what's wrong with his hair?" And she says, what do you mean? I go, why is, it, why is it red? She goes, well, he's got red hair. I go, fuck. Like this is back, hmm. I was four years old. The, the brain wasn't fully developed. And I said. Still never changed. It still yeah. hasn't changed. Hmm. But it, little things like that, when you're used to certain things and your world starts expanding, right, and you had a very sheltered life, right, now I look like that. So who's having the last laugh? If only you had his voice. How much better would this podcast be with Jean-Luc Picard? Jean-Luc Picard. <clears throat> Make it so. I'm growling into the microphone. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> so, so, Jason, mm. so, so was it just the fact that you were a foreigner? Was that, was that it? That was definitely, like, that that definitely was the biggest part, part. That was the biggest part yeah. of it. I think they were relieved and that I wasn't Japanese, as racist as that sounds. And they can be, as you know, the Chinese can be quite... Uh, Xenophobic. Yeah, so it took a while. So Let's just say it took a while. in China now. It, it? Oh, we're it, fucked. Like, we're getting it's struck. It's like a Bing browser. <laughs> yeah, well, no, Bing's back up. Uh, but oh, yeah, yeah, but it's, uh, as you can well imagine, I it, it took a bit of warming up and it didn't necessarily happen in that first trip. Mm. Right? Mm. Now, you get along pretty well with them now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, but because they come out and visit quite mind, often. Mind you, it's been 12 years, but so tell, you'd hope so, right? But I could tell, <laughs> I could me. tell... Yeah, the kids are cute. Yeah, it's great, yeah. But I could tell yeah. that something was afoot, and I'm not I'm not a smart bloke because they would ignore him, but I was like a legend. They loved the shit out of me because I was innocent. I was just a brother traveling along with him. He was, was non-threatening. I wasn't there yeah. marrying anybody, right? I was yeah. buying fireworks and shit like that for the village. I was, you know, I was... We are doing all sorts I of stuff. Yeah. I was not... I was just tagging along. Mm. And so they would talk to me. Whereas and I'd they couldn't analyzed. do enough for yeah. me. Mm. But he was chopped liver. And, that, and there was a very... It was very, very clear. But I think that was very... I understand why. Mm. I, I do understand. Because where they are in that particular part of the world, it is quite isolated. Not as much now as it was. It's but, changed a lot over the last 12 but, years. But back then, mm-hmm. it was quite isolated. I, I imagine Ray went into bat for you, mate. Oh, absolutely. To some extent. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to some extent? Yeah, absolutely. She always But has. he's in their shit now. No, I'm not. Uh, well, you she, thinks, she thinks all this is hilarious. She, oh, mate. He was in the shit. 
Because she comes downstairs and she goes, what's all this? So, so can I ask you a question, mm. mate? Um, does sort of cultural difference play a significant factor in your marriage with Ray, your relationship? It has. We've definitely... What sort of stuff? Uh, definitely have had some communication issues over the past and so i mean just a, about around language or around the language has definitely played a part of it because we don't speak to each other necessarily in chinese or english we speak often in japanese which is okay. neither of our first languages so mm-hmm. we we do fuck up on occasion yeah um but yeah there's, there's been a lot of discovery in the relationship about well the, this is the way that she thinks this is the way that i think and I think it's taken us quite a while to get over the let's not fight about that, that we just see things differently. A specific example of, not, of, not, off, of stuff? not off the top of my head. Um, I'm sure I could, if I sat down and thought about some examples, I'd, I'd come up with a few, but mm. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's I, I, my understanding of, of, of Chinese cultures is basically about Food, family, food, family, and money. Yeah? Well, here, here's the funny. <laughs> no, here, here's the funny because I've always said to Ray, and you know, like she'll she'll back me up on this, that I find the Italian and the Chinese cultures to be amazingly similar. Really? Because it's all about the family first. Family first. Food is critical. Yeah. And f- cooking together, you know, yeah. which is something that I always remember growing mm. up as a as a kid, mm. right? Um, and then money is another money. one. Yeah. But the difference being there is it's not about how much money you've got, it's that you never talk about money at the table. Mm. That's the Italian way, right? They, it's fucking godfather it's shit. It's godfather shit, right? That's, that's how we that's grew us. up. We, we've got that's stories how, for another, that's for another podcast. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so they're very similar. They're very passionate about the family. They're very passionate about mm. food. Mm. Um, and in those ways, they, they share a lot of similarities, mm. Mm. Um, which for me has been fascinating to, mm. to learn about. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I might do a podcast with you, mate, an interview about that. Bring it on. If you need a place to record. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good t- I think that's a good I, pause. I, I got a I got I'm busting for a piece. That's the, that's the cue. <laughs> that's funny. Every 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 single I'm, podcast has I'm, ended with someone needing I'm to take a piss. I'm busting for a piece. Yeah. Thank you for everybody that's been listening, all two of you. This was sponsored by our mum. We are not on Patreon. We are now on iTunes and on Spotify. We try and upload at least once or twice a week, usually on a Saturday, at some point on Eastern Daylight Time. Depending on how quick my internet is. Wherever you is. are in the world, you have to work that shit out. I'm not smart enough <laughs> to put that into what time zone you're in. Half the brain's in a jar somewhere. Thank you for your patronage. True story. We love you. We're out. See click, you later, guys. Click. Thank you, Phil. Thank you. Thank you, Phil, Pottery for being Pete. our yeah. first vet. Uh, first Thanks, vet. Before we finish, is there, is there anywhere guests. people can find? Is there anything you wanted to, yeah, to you say or plug? promote yourself or you want to talk about your, your book that might be coming out soon? Uh, oh, look, I might use, leave that for another time. Do you want to come yeah, back cool. on and tell us about your book? Yeah, I'll do that. Do you yeah. want to do that? Yeah, because that's all about Peru. So maybe we can have a chat. Oh, let's, awesome. do yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's do that. That'd be amazing. Let's do that. Because I'd love to talk to you about if you went to... Is it Machi 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 Picchu? Yep. Machi Picchu. Picchu. I, absolutely, been there a few times. Yeah, I'd love to talk to you about that. Well, let's do that as a separate thing. Yep, eh? let's Done. do that. Done. Done. About if Peru. you can come back on, yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay. Let's talk specifically about Peru. Thanks, guys. And while we're doing that, can we talk about pottery in Peru? <laughs> the pottery Pete. He doesn't feel. There's lots of pottery in Peru. <laughs> he doesn't feel. An expert in pottery. You fucking are, man. People <laughs> love you. They love that shit. You should see the size of this fucker's kiln. It's massive. Oh, you can crawl into it and just get vaporized. Yeah. That's <laughs> I need a piss too. See, it's done.